Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. You know, it's funny. I may turn out to be wrong about this, but I I really don't care as much as others might regarding uh, some of this exodus that's going on with the coaching staff in mind. I completely understand it. And again, I'm not minimizing whatsoever. For example, Bubba Ventrone and what he meant to the special teams. But I sit here and I kind of just say, I'd be damned if I'm really going to be worried about that too much. And it's funny, I felt in similar fashion, not all the way, because we're talking about a head coach. We're talking about that position. I'm not, again, minimizing that, trying to make it not a big deal. But what you do coming up here in the spring, and I know I don't have to explain it to you, but I sit here right now and I feel compelled to explain it to you anyway, has such a big deal on the future, on what you can do. It's finding that quarterback in this draft that you trust and can be the guy for you. So much more important than anything really we have discussed. And again, I understand Shane Steichen, big deal, head coach. But yesterday we got talking about the offensive coordinator, reportedly going to be Jim Bob Cooter. I'm not going to say who cares, but... It's kind of like that thing in Meatballs. You guys remember the film Meatballs with Bill Murray? It just doesn't matter. They chanted, it just doesn't matter. We could add something to this. It just doesn't matter as much as what you do in the spring as we could add to it. So I see these guys that are leaving. I see these guys that are coming in, and that's fine. But your head coach is going to be the play caller, at least for the time being, which that does kind of surprise me considering what took place right before him in Philadelphia. And the fact that Nick Sirianni realized in year number one, uh, there is way too much going on here. I don't know Shane Steichen other than talking to him last week on the show. Maybe he can just matter-of-factly 
take care of all the business better than most can. And if you can, more power to you on that. Multitasking. I can multitask, but it's not too deep into multi. I think I'd more describe it as kind of multitasking. I can kind of multitask, and then all of a sudden, everything gets a little bit overwhelming. All of a sudden, things start floating around and going different places, and you lose track a little bit. So I can't lie. I was a little bit surprised that with the evidence that had taken place in Philadelphia, that initially you don't take the lead of what Sirianni did and pass, remember, pass the play calling duties to the offensive coordinator and then worried about other stuff. And as we noticed this season with the Philadelphia Eagles, that worked out smashingly. When you win, it tends to work out. When you win, you look back at stuff and, you know, even if it wasn't just over the top incredible, it tends to look that way when you win. And again, I'm not trying to minimize any argument or the worth of a guy like Bubba Ventrone, but yeah, I really don't care. I may be proven to be wrong. Maybe, you know, if there's a bailage to Cleveland and the special teams units an absolute mess, you're going to look back and you go, see, JMV, I told you how important that was. You had to keep him or you had to keep this person. Had to keep that guy. Yeah, to me right now, it just doesn't matter. As much as the decision you make in the spring, that's going to define you. That's going to define this whole thing for years to come. This is just not, hey, I think Jacob Eason can play. Hey, you know what? I'd like to see Sam Ellinger. It's not that at all. You are, again, Unless they do something completely wacky, and that's for another show. (laughs) You are defining your future. Defining your future with that pick. And this stuff right now, and I know lots of arguments will be made. Well, look, and this is where the special teams unit was, and... You know, just like yesterday with, with Manning coming back in the tight ends, and look how they were when they had Ebron and Mo Alley Cox and Jack Doyle, and this guy's a difference maker. Uh, you're, you're drafting for the future difference maker. That's where you're going with this. All this other stuff is really interesting conversation when it comes right down to it. But again, It just doesn't matter, and certainly it just doesn't matter as much as what you do further down the road. And I would also put up what you do in the spring compared to what you just did last week, and I'll give the nod to the spring. I will give that nod to you because that's how important that is. And I think for the most part, A lot of you, if not all of you, know it. I think for the most part you do. But at some point, some point some of these guys are going to bounce. I don't blame them. Probably don't blame them either. But you just hire other guys you feel that are good enough to take their place, and then you move forward, and then you concentrate on the big picture here. The big picture is who is going to be taking snaps in the long-term future. That's the big picture. 
Seems like we've been talking about this forever, but make no mistake, that is the big picture on it. Big picture for the Hoosiers later on tonight. It would be really nice, and it is going to be an emotional atmosphere without question at Michigan State at 9 o'clock tonight. In general terms, it's a very difficult place to win. Everybody knows that. Tom Izzo is a very good coach. Last time out, his team did not look good at all. When you look at them in the standings, when you look at their record, they need it. You can say this, and you can also call bullcrap on it if you want. Because this time of year, I mean, putting together wins, especially when you're going back-to-back to East Lansing and to West Lafayette, coming up tonight and then on Saturday night. These these wins are at a premium, but make no mistake about it. As it stands right now, you look at Michigan State's situation, and they, they certainly need this more than IU, but don't take that as me downplaying this because it is all about what you create. And that image that you create here down the stretch of the regular season – into the Big Ten tournament. I'm telling you, I can't remember the last time. Anybody remember the last time we got to talk about a possibility of a double buy? I'm using a double buy Big Ten tournament conversation. Normally, you just kind of write down that they're going to play on Thursday. Yeah, they're going to play on Thursday. That's a feel good in itself, but you want to maintain. You want to give yourself the chance to maintain. And you go back-to-back in a tough environment with a team that certainly is is coming off a bad loss, and then you go to a place that there is no doubt, regardless of the rivalry, they are going to have in mind what took place last month in Bloomington. And they're going to have a full week to load up for that. So it would be nice and again, a 9 o'clock start, East Lansing, Tuesday night. With the emotion that's going to be in the Breslin Center later on this evening, without question. Undeniable, but at the same time, at the same time, you'd love to see this IU team do what they did in that first meeting at home. You know what they did? They got help. They got a couple of good games just beyond Trace Jackson Davis, and a guy that Don Fisher talks about every Friday on this show is every time he passes him by in the hallway, on the court, when he's watching the practice, he tells Trey Galloway to shoot it. Trey Galloway kind of laughs, but he says, be aggressive offensively. Now, last game against Michigan State, he was. You're going to need more of that. Certainly, you're going to need the same of that tonight. I'm just suggesting you're going to you need more of it, but you, the same is going to be necessary. And no doubt about that. But tonight is going to be incredibly difficult. Now, we'll talk about Saturday coming up tomorrow, obviously, in the latter portions of the week. But tonight is that thing where you, you – I'm not suggesting that that you, it's how should I put this? Um, that there's any sort of free pass or hall pass, whatever, coming up on Saturday because you know you you're already guaranteed a split in the regular season if you win tonight. No, 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 no. It is again. It is about what you're putting together as a team this time of year. Stretch run regular season. What more can you add? What more can you consistently add to Trace Jackson Davis? How can you help him out? 
How can you make this team better? And it's beyond us just talking about when and if. And again, that's a big win. I don't know if it's so large of an if. I guess the bigger if is going to be what Xavier Johnson is going to be able to give when, question mark, he returns. But right now, tonight, it'd be a a great opportunity to take advantage, get something done on the road, tough environment, very emotional, and then get yourself read. Get, Get yourself in a winning mindset going into Saturday. We already can't wait for it. Again, nothing is going to bring it down. It's not like it's going to be a bummer by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, it's a rivalry game. You have two good teams. You have arguably the two best players individually in the country going at one another on Saturday. At least according to National Player of the Year, there's no doubt that Zach Eady is at the top and Trace Jackson Davis is right there. We can argue and debate all day long. It'd be great if they could go into East Lansing, get something done, and then really set the stage for a classic coming up on Saturday. By the way, Matt Painter is going to join us coming up on tomorrow's show. Obviously, we'll go over what takes place in East Lansing tonight and then get you set for round number two of IU and Purdue from West Lafayette coming up on Saturday evening. Matt Painter is going to join us on the show coming up tomorrow all right for us today i'll give you the list greg rakestraw bottom of the hour a lot of things including his thoughts on what i just had to say of course the colts post game show host will dive into some of these these exits some of these hires what he thinks you know shane steichen going the the right direction with calling the plays and not handing it off to somebody to do it from an offensive coordination standpoint uh, we'll do that stretch run for the boys in the high school basketball season as well. But to ask him, they he and Bob Lovell hosted the sectional draw. Do you guys remember? And I'm sure that it is still incredibly important. You guys remember when that thing was on Channel 4 and you were locked right into that thing? Anybody else always have a team in your sectional draw where you knew that they were going to get the benefit of the buy, and then there was this like legend that they cheated to annually get that buy to the semifinals. Always seemed like back in the day, if there was ever a buy handed out, that Bloomfield was going to get the buy. Yeah, there's probably not. You can go back and look at the analytics of it, right? Look at the numbers. It's probably not true, but that's the way that it felt. And believe me, Greg and Bob do a great job on that with the IHSAA. That was always must-watch. High school sectional draw Sundays. I know a lot of you tuned in to see where your team or your favorite team or your kids' teams are going. Not only that, but you get to celebrate a little hoopage at Gambridge Fieldhouse. That's coming up on Saturday. Uh, The girls. Going to put that thing together. 4A should be an absolute fun time. And we'll shout out to Greg because Greg gets the opportunity. I'm trying to think how many times that may have happened. Greg gets the opportunity to call the 1A final includes his high school. So that is pretty cool. I don't know how many times that's ever happened. I was thinking about, I think Jerry Baker back in the day was from Sullivan, right? I don't know if he's ever called anything Sullivan. 
I'm sure I could be wrong about that. You know, about back in the day where guys were calling games for a high school of theirs. But you do, as far as the girls' state finals coming up this weekend, you've got interesting names. You've got some some different names in there. All really good. Greg Rakestraw is going to join us. We'll talk about that and more. That is coming up at the bottom of the hour. Now, somebody asked me regarding my expectation for the remainder of the Pacers season. Well, they got 22 games remaining. Not the number. My expectation, I hope they go at it. I wish they would hit a streak like what we saw because you got to admit, that was enjoyable to watch them play well and surprise everybody. And unfortunately, the way they went after that Halliburton injury, the way that they went, it's kind of evened out the entire season. As I mentioned last week going into the All-Star break, now you kind of view it as, all right, that's what we expected anyway. This is kind of what we expected anyway. So it's not like I'm embracing the fact, well, you had a little bit of a run right there, a, what, a month and a half, two-month run where you surprised everybody. Made it really interesting to watch. But what are you wanting out of those 22 games? More of a shape and a form of a team that you expect to see next year? I would say start right there. And I don't care what anybody has to say about it. I know everybody's talking about draft picks and positioning and all that crap. But if you're in a position to win, if you're in a position to close out a game, I'm sorry, I would rather see this team do it with this group for the most part that's going to be around here in the future, the future of this team right now, prove it to me, then, well, you know, if they lose, then that's going to up their percentage to get this or percentage to get that and lottery this and lottery that. I want to see these guys close because that does make this thing more believable. You have to admit, when you go back prior to the Halliburton injury, it became believable to you. This is reality where we are right now, but it became believable to you. Everybody was asking the question, what should they do? What are they going to do? Has that changed the front office mindset? Is Kevin Pritchard, is Chad Buchanan thinking about something else other than what they set out to do? Remember at the beginning of the season, Rick Carlisle came on this show and you could tell he was laying the groundwork. He was laying the groundwork for a season that included a lot of of losses and he was talking about something that is rarely found in any sport and especially that of professional athletics it was patience he was talking about patience we like this group they're young they've never played together we don't really know what we're going to get but we think if we get something it's probably not going to be pleasing in a win-loss column he didn't put it in those words but that was the explanation this is what you're going to expect but we want you around anyway we want you to be a part of this on the ground floor of this build and then all of a sudden they started winning games when you get four or five games above 500 we did we started to change a little bit now the reality now that's where we are that's exactly how we should do it how we should have looked at it in the first place but 
in terms of an evolving basketball team, I still, even in the moment for those remaining regular season games, if they're close in the fourth, to me, I think it's a lot better to see them close and learn to close. The NBA is so stinking difficult to close in the fourth. I mean, really in general. Double-digit leads in the NBA are a joke. We used to look back at double-digit leads. Oh, my goodness. There's no way you're going to overcome that. We don't look nearly the same at double-digit leads. And I'm talking about 25. It's almost like now you got to get upwards of 30 in the first half to even be compelled to feel comfortable about anything drastically different now but i want to see this team close i do i want to see this team close better when given the opportunity to do it and not just fade late because they're a bad team and that's that's what bad teams do and i'm talking in terms of bad as being record wise youth undergoing a rebuild a growth process all of that I would rather see them close out some of these games against better teams, like, for example, when they get back at it against Boston. One of the more impressive wins this season for me was going back to, what was that, December? Going back to December when they beat Boston in Boston. Remember how fun that was? I think I will start right there with when you have the opportunity to close games, close games. Here's the other thing. If somebody could, I would love to see them figure out the issue in the first quarter of games. More times than not, they get started, and they get started in the worst of ways. Just a little bit of a window into figuring out why that's happening, and then do something about it. Like, have a solution this year. Even though next year's next year and this year's this year. But find a solution now to these first quarters that it kind of they they have just become normalcy. You sit down to watch a Pacer game, don't you, now, and you just expect the first quarter to go haywire. You expect them to come back, which normally they do, but you expect that first quarter to be haywire. I'd like to see that changed up here in the final regular season attempts this Pacer team has in 2023 the 22 and 23 campaign greg rakestraw will talk with us coming up at the bottom of the hour so a little bit more of the insight to the knowledge that jim bob cooter supplied offensively and for that of trevor lawrence in jacksonville this past year i know he doesn't call the plays which you probably say, well, what's he do then? Uh, he's involved. He's involved in the building of the offense and offensive philosophies, according to Shane Steichen. I, I guess. Mike DeRocco is going to jump on here. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the rest of the AFC South and how this thing is going to evolve coming up in the offseason, too. How much of a jump start that has been for Jacksonville this past year and what they accomplished. You know, looking ahead at Tennessee, what's Tennessee going to have coming at you next year? 
Yeah, not to mention the fact that Houston, Houston's right up there too. Houston's right up there in search of another quarterback. Mike DiRocco is going to be here coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. And Joel A. Erickson, the star, with some of this exodus, the additions and the subtractions of the Shane Steichen coaching staff, we'll go over that coming up in the 5 o'clock hour with you. We have Dave Matthews Band tickets for you coming up as well. We've got the number. 239-1070. The email address is 1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, where if you're looking live right now and I stand up, I have one of the greatest late 70s, early 80s Johnny Paycheck concert t-shirts you have ever seen. <laughs> if you've ever wanted to say, take this job and shove it, I ain't working here no more, you would be very proud of me rocking this shirt right now. You can check it out via YouTube Live. Me, the handsome chiseled features, get involved, listen, say what you want to say, get involved in those conversations inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Again, that's YouTube Live, the ride with JMV. If you've never been there, check it out, get in there, make some friends. Really friendly group. Who's the leader? Do we have a leader inside the lounge via YouTube Live? Back in the day at the other station, I had a message board. It was affectionately called the Baggery. And the baggery got my ass in trouble all the time. Like everybody, anybody that did anything media-wise around here at one point in time whined to me about what the baggery was posting about them. Whether it was Chris Hagan or others, <laughs> at some point they all whined about something that was being said. Why don't you stop it? Well, listen, I was the one in the crosshairs more than anybody else. It was always about me. I was Powder. Remember the movie Powder? They called me Powder. No, I'm sorry. I take that back. I was Fat Powder. Kind of like I'm Fat Dracula right here. You guys are so endearing to me. I was Fat Powder back in the day. So I got it worse than anybody else. It's not necessarily the lounge like that, but I don't know if we have a leader. Like RD was one of the leaders of the lounge or I should say of the uh, baggery back in the day. I don't know if we have a lounge leader right now. Maybe we should vote one. Should we do this Democratic and vote in a lounge leader? I might think about doing that. Dave Matthews Band tickets also on the way. Joe A. Erickson, Mike DiRocco, and Greg Rakestraw. About a big weekend at Cambridge Fieldhouse. And then a rig of the season for the fellas that's coming to an end. Is there a clear cut out there? That's some college hoop. We really didn't talk about this much yesterday because I know people were expecting Butler to be a disappointment, but not this level of disappointment, right? Not losing at home to Georgetown type of disappointment. I watch Butler a lot because Jaden Taylor's from Perry Meridian. I like the kid a great deal. But it is hard to really find outside of you see his growth in the game. It's really hard to find anything that you can embrace. This has just been such a bad season in Butler. Talk about that, too, with Greg, IU, Purdue, and more. James is here. Dave Matthews, man. Tickets also, as I mentioned, coming up toward the end of the show. 239-1070. What is a glorious – somebody told me it was going to rain today. Is that true? It's a glorious, sunshiny day. Was I lied to? It is gorgeous outside right now for the end of February. Soak that up. 
and crank this show up. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live, HD Radio. The stream, the app at 93.5 and 107.5. The fan. Back with you next. The Ride with JMV. Here's Jenny! David Letterman! Hi, David. I'm Grandpa. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Thank you for joining us. Duraco is going to be here in the 4 o'clock hour. Joel A. Erickson, the star after 5. Matthews Band tickets. Dave Matthews Band tickets coming up before the end of the show. Ruoff, it's uh, either June the 30th or July the 1st. Yeah, back-to-back shows at Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center coming up in the summertime. Meantime, your calls inside the lounge via YouTube Live. You guys digging on the T-shirt today? I see response. I, I think we're trying to find, I don't know if we'll call it the president, the leader inside the lounge. A lounge leader is what we're looking for. If you would like to step up and you're not a jackass and you love to be the leader inside the lounge, let me know. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline from everything sports here in central Indiana. And certainly down in Harrison County, loud and clear, I'm assuming coming up on on uh, Saturday. It's uh, Greg Rakestraw with us. So let me get this straight. Lanesville, Harrison County, correct? Correct. Corridon Central, Harrison County, correct? Kent County seat, correct. So did North Harrison not get the invite? What happened here? Well, North Harrison uh, was pretty good a few years ago. They made the state finals in 2016 and 2017. In fact, with Lanesville making the girls' state finals on Saturday, all four Harrison County high schools have played in the girls' basketball state finals in the last 20 years. Who's the other one? What's the other school? South Central would be the other one. There are the two South Central. So there's South Central of Union Mills, which fittingly, given the fact that you're giving away Dave Matthews band tickets, they're the satellites. The South Central Rebels from my neck of the woods located in lovely Elizabeth. Gotcha. It's uh, Greg Rakestraw with us. I also thought about this. Has there ever been anybody that has called a state championship game that is from the school in which they're doing the play-by-play for? <laughs> Me, 2017 for the baseball team uh, is one. <laughs> if Sullivan had beaten Beach Grove in the semi-state last year, Jerry Baker and I would have swapped games. I got gotcha. you. So, Bake is a Sullivan grad. I, that's what I thought. I, game last I year. guessed him a little bit earlier, him being from yeah. Sullivan, by the way. You know yeah. what? With, with Jerry Baker, I'm sorry. Whenever you hear, we're doing these uh, IHSAA, what they call them, vignettes or whatever here yeah. uh, daily. And when you hear Jerry Baker do a call, it, 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 I'm telling you, it gives you a little bit of a chill. It does. Wakes up the echoes, does it not? It does. So uh, Mark James was on the sideline because I was doing the play-by-play, and I offered him the chance to switch, and he said no when Monrovia won the football state final in 2A in 2015. Uh, and I'm trying to think of, of like, the other play-by-play guys. Uh, Blackman is a North White guy. Right. Uh, they, they, have, they have not been downstate. That I think they made the semi-state last year. I think it's as far as they have gone. So if we keep having this conversation, I'm sure we will unearth it. 
But off the top of my head, for the sake of the bit, it's a pretty short list. So Greg Graystraw is with us. The girls' state finals coming up 10.30, 12.45. The morning sessions, early afternoon session as well, 1A, 2A. And then 3A and 4A is at 6 and 8.15, respectively. It seems like that there's a lot of new name flavor going on this year in the finals. That is correct. Your, your buddy's team in, in Beppendorf Lawrence, they're kind of the, the one bit of the old guard. Yeah. Forest Park is the defending 2A champs, but you have five first-time finalists, Lanesville being one, their opponent Bethany Christian being the other. The only other team that's been before is Corden Central. That's been 18 years since they made it. And again, Fishers has been really good, but A, they've all been open as a high school since 2007, and B, they play in that murderer's row of a Hamilton County sectional where you can win a state championship and then not make it out of your sectional the next five or six years. So, so them being here is, is to some degree not a surprise. South Bend, Washington was such a heavy favorite, and then their top player got hurt at the end of the year, and, and it kind of brought them back to the pack a little bit. But uh, Fishers is a really good team, and frankly, having seen both Fishers and Bedford North Lawrence, I think that 4A game is going to be phenomenal. It may not be pretty. It may not be a lot of offense, but those two teams are very similar. They switch everything. Yep. They're completely New Jersey defensively. That might be – First to 40 wins. I saw BNL and Center Grove on Saturday morning, and the thing that stuck out to me was how physical Jeff has his Lady Stars yeah. play. They they play and yeah, and I give you a great example too. Chloe Spreen is is clearly their best their best player, best offensive player, and she she was chicken winging it and elbowing and everything. They are a top to bottom very physical group. Well, to, to, again, they have now they have the longest sectional street in the state. I think it's twelve straight sectionals that they have won. So they are used to playing deep into February. Though it's been a few years since they have played in the state championship game. But Jeff does a great job of getting them up to play as many of the larger teams as possible. Right. I don't think the indie gap in girls basketball is as big as it is in boys basketball or in football. But still, once you get them through their seven Hoosier Hills Conference games, man, they play North Central. I think they play Brownsburg. Noblesville. They play in the Hall of Fame Classic this year. So yeah. they play a schedule that has them battle-tested. Yeah, you know what? you you, you got to do that. As much as I love Southern Indiana, I know you do as well, especially if you consider New Albany and Jeffersonville or, for that matter, any of the Evansville schools that are down. You, you have to kind of look ahead and schedule that way if you want to truly prep your team. Right. And, and it is out of the point in, in every sport. If you think you are going to be a state championship caliber team, you had better make, you know, if you're a 1A team, then it's a matter of, okay, I need to play as many 3A, 4As as possible. And for example, Lanesville has done that. They have wins over Floyd Central, New Albany, and East Central, who play in the Hall of Fame Classic. Their two losses, one is to Porton, still playing, the other was to Memorial out of Evansville, and that was in Vincennes Holiday Tournament Championship. If you're a 4A team that's not from the Indianapolis area and you think we've got a chance to win a state title, you had better get as many Indianapolis or Hamilton County, Hendricks County suburban schools on the schedule as you can. Because you know if you're going to win a state title, you have to play at least one of those schools of that ilk and be ready for it come February for the girls or March for the boys. Yeah, it's not just like Fishers. You're just like in Fishers, and you like play three games in, in your conference or in your area, <laughs> and that's going to get you ready for it as we, as we saw in their sectional. 
Yeah, absolutely right. And that, I was there. I didn't was there for the Friday night game. I did the sectional championship, which was their mud sack rivalry game. And and again, the crowd there were a sight to behold. And again, Fishers, the Smith twins are going to go to Ball State. They'll play seven or eight, but kind of like Bedford North Lawrence, not a lot of size. Just and it, it, they're they're the team that I have ever I've never heard somebody when describing a team in, in girls basketball mention physical as much as they do with Fishers, which is why I think that 4A game is going to be really good. I know that Jeff was a part of the coaching staff in 2014. They won. That game was played at the Holman Center, right? That championship game? Correct. So there was a, a string of years where they were either played in Terre Haute or played in Fort Wayne uh, because the Big Ten tournament basically right. had blocked off all of, um, you know, then Conseco or, or, or Bankers Life Fieldhouse. But it has now been several years that those events have been back and obviously will be for the foreseeable future. The only event that's going to get moved out of Indy in the near future, I did wrestling last Saturday, and they drew 30,000 over two days for the wrestling state finals. That is on the move because of All-Star Weekend next year. Simply nothing you can do about that. Uh, Chloe Spring for BNL is really good. And I, I go all yeah. the way back. I remember when you know BNL had Marla Inman and uh, Carrie Mount and Amy Walker, just a great group back then uh, that uh, that ultimately won it all. But uh, you're right. I mean, th- this group is not not tall. But they are feisty. They are tough. They get up in you defensively. And not a lot of threes taken either. That's the other thing I noticed on Saturday morning. They don't shoot a high volume whatsoever that we normally see of threes. Everything is kind of mid-range into the lane stuff. They're an old-school motion and flex offense, aren't they? Yep. Just keep moving the ball. Just keep back cutting. And they'll, event, they'll occasionally take a three, but they know their best game is get to the rim because they can they can play positionless basketball. Now, when we say positionless basketball these days, a lot of that is, all right, four out or five out, drive, kick, space, knock down a three. Then it's the old school flex cuts and motion to get somebody open going to the lane, and they know because of how well they defend you, they don't have to be in this race to, to 60. Frankly, Bedford feels if they get to 50, they have you beat because you're not scoring 50 on them. So Greg Rakestraw's got you coming up on Saturday. The girls' state finals, Bethany Christian, Lanesville, 1030, LaPelle, Forest Park, 1245, 6 o'clock in 3A, Fairfield and Corridon Central, and then that 815-4A matchup, which unfortunately is going to be Oppo, IU, and Purdue for a lot of folks. Fishers yeah. and Bedford North Lawrence coming up at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. That is on Saturday evening. Uh, I'm going to get to the Colts post-game show host a part of the duties that you certainly uphold to a high level every single fall. I mentioned this. Bubba Ventrone, other coaches that are exiting, coaches that are coming in. I'm not as concerned about this change as far as coaching staff is concerned. Uh, Obviously beyond the head coaching position as others, and especially in terms of Bubba Ventrone is in mind. Am I downplaying this too much, you think? I don't think you are because I think it's about the players. Um, and, and I agree that Bubba Ventrone is a talented special teams coach, um, but there are also other spe- talented special teams coaches or talented offense coordinators, defensive coordinators, or position coaches, what have you. Yes, I, I want a great coaching staff, and especially with a young quarterback that we all think is coming in here, that's where most of our attention is going to be. But I am very much a believer in the National Football League that there's 
Are, do coaches make mistakes in the NFL? Of course they do. Are some coaches better than others in the National Football League? Of course they are. These are still 32 of the best insert position here, coaches in the world for this sport. It's all about the personnel that you have. That is, that, that is what is first and foremost Then the coaches come into play after that. Is Zach Eady still the player of the year in the Big Ten right now? And is Trace Jackson Davis getting in that domain if that call would be made today? Oh, it's, it's a two-player race. I mean, it's those two. I still think it's Edie's, but Trace has made it a conversation, just as Indiana has made it a conversation for the top spot in the league, even though Indiana's going to face a couple of tough ones this week. Again, they are running into such an emotional buzzsaw in, in Michigan State tonight. Yep. Um, you know, all things being equal, I like Indiana's chances, and then given what happened last week, I don't like Indiana's chances in that game. And then knowing Indiana's already got a double D against Purdue, everything Purdue is doing is focused on, you know, splitting the regular season series and not letting Indiana come to their building and get a W on Saturday. So I, I, I like what Mike Woodson's team is doing. I don't like this week for them. But to your question, it's still Zach Eadie's. But Trace Jackson Davis is getting close in the rearview mirror. Let's put it that way. Josh Schertz getting things going at Indiana State one more time. I know that uh, stretch run here, a little arch madness. How are you feeling about the Sycamores after they went through back in January that five-game losing skid? It, it, it's, it's weird. I mean, they're looking at with two games left to go, they have gone six-game losing streak or six-game winning streak, five-game losing streak, and then, what, seven-game winning streak on right. top of that. Uh, and now with, with two more games left to go. So, again, this is – through no fault of their own, this is not the old days of the Valley where this is going to be a two- or three-bid league. It is, it is a really good league. You could say it's amongst the best of the one-bid leagues, but it is a one-bid league. So, for everything good that the Sycamores have done, as it relates to the NCAA tournament, they know they've got to win three games in three days in St. Louis next weekend. Um, but – since uh, I figured you'd like this, I'm actually going to be leading into you on Thursday and Friday. Nice. I don't have enough of my plate to do this week, so I'm going to be the uh, the midday host on Thursday and Friday. Nice. And Josh Schertz is joining the show Thursday what? at 1230. How about that? Well, I'm going to – on Thursday? I'm going to get him on tomorrow then. That would be a really crank move by me, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you can ask all your questions. I'm sure I'll ask different questions when we get together. No, I'll let, you, I'll let you do that for sure. That's that's awesome, though. No, it's it's good for them that they're in, in that position, especially yeah. after losing five consecutive. It looked like it was circling the drain, but they, they got it back going again. Michael Lewis, or as uh, Dane Fife likes to reference him, Dennis. Dennis Lewis and the job he's done in year one in Muncie. Phenomenal. Uh, so much to the point that he's starting to get mentioned for other jobs already. Now, I'm not sure he's leaving after one year. And everything that I said uh, about uh, Indiana State applies to Ball State. You're not getting multiple teams out of the MAC. And, I, and the difference is I think there is definitively maybe a team or two in the MAC that's better than Ball State. But, again, he still has them going in the right direction. And, oh, my, by the way, Michael's going to be on the show on Thursday as well, just so you know. So I'm going to book him, too. Coaches you can bring up that I can tease that <laughs> I'll have on the, on the radio station later this week. Well, I, I'm going to bring up in, in closing here, Thad Mata, your number one back at Butler, and just in, incredibly discouraging and disappointing, especially the way things went at home against Georgetown. Um, I, I like Jaden Taylor a great deal from Paramoridian. There's no doubt we're watching him grow but there has been little to really grasp other than disappointment this year. And I know the Butler fans were kind of, you know, preparing for that, but not at this level. You agree? 
Right. And, and obviously, you know, there have been these, these, these nicer moments and the Xavier win a couple of Fridays ago is something you can puff your chest out. But then you back that up by losing to what is amazing to become kind of the bingo free space of that league. Nobody loses to Georgetown, let alone in your own building. And Georgetown came in and beat Butler on Sunday. So you're right. Um, yeah, I think anybody expected this team to be over the moon in Thad's first, and it'd be a work in progress. But I think everybody thought they'd be better than they are. And so there's not been many things to feel great about, but losing to Georgetown is, is, is amazingly pretty low these days in the Big East. That's exactly where Butler's at at this moment. Yeah, so Greg Rakestraw is going to be the midday host coming up on Thursday and Friday. And Thursday, Josh Schertz, Indiana State head coach, and uh, – the Dane Five Coin Dennis Lewis, also known as Michael Lewis, the first-year head yeah. coach at Ball State, is going to join you on Thursday. Well done. Thank you, brother. And not to mention, you know, you'd be stunned to find this out, Angie Hinton, coach of the Lanesville Lady Eagles, also on Thursday's show. Give them some love. Here on 93.5 and 107.5. The Give them some love there for Southern Indiana. Love it. Absolutely I can, love I can it. be far more unbalanced on the radio on Thursday <laughs> than I can be on TV yeah. on Saturday. I can't wait to turn that on on Saturday morning and watch that. See, see if I can find any levels in which are different than normal for me, like levels of excitement that are pure and emotional. I'm going to see if I can find it. I've only got four relatives on the team, John. Uh, I will I will do my best to keep this as down the middle. <laughs> well, I mean, that's probably not a wide swath, is it there? I um, guess. You know, we're, we're all kind of, it's, the, 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 the gene pool is a little bit different. You know, we're all, we're that did sound terrible. I'm glad I said that to you and not somebody else. That's horrible. I, 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 can, I, can, I know where you're from. It's Melvin Williams, so you can say that. Because I'm dealing with the same thing right there. My brother, right. I'll see you in here coming up on Thursday. See you, buddy. Greg Gregstraw is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pileline. Uh, Matt asked this, JMV, are you going to Broad Ripple Friday for the Tavern Tour? In fact, we are. Tavern Tour stop February for 2023. The Broad Ripple Tavern. Guys going to be out for that? Seems like it's been forever. I think it has. Broad Ripple Tavern. Broad Ripple Friday. Tavern Tour stop. It's number two. Month of February. In 2023, Heaven Hill Distillery, betting analyst Brent Halverson, and more. So you guys all got to make it. I see Kevin's going. Matt's going. Got to get. Hey, I tell you what. Here's the other thing too. Why don't you? All right, Grifty. If you're going to lead us inside the lounge via YouTube Live, lead some of them to go ahead and stay inside the lounge, but join us on Friday. That'd be great. Tavern tour stop. Broad Ripple Tavern, Heaven Hill Distillery coming up on Friday. Broad Ripple Tavern in Broad Ripple. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. They call me Cuba Pete. I'm the king of a rumba beat. When I play the maracas, I go chick 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 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Joel A. Erickson at the start of the 5 o'clock hour. The uh, exodus and the additions to the coaching staff here. The new coaching staff of Shane Steichen. By the way, if you missed Shane Steichen, his first interview with us last week, podcast 107.5thefan.com. I'm still impressed about getting 15 out of that, too. He's just a short answer, dude. I'm good with it because I was loaded and ready to go. 
Matt Painter tomorrow. I think Jeff Allen of Bedford North Lawrence, if I can get a hold of him tonight, we'll get him on here tomorrow. And hopefully Brooks Barnheiser of Northwestern. Get him on for the first time, too, with what the Wildcats are doing. Are you on the road at Michigan State? That's a big one at 9 o'clock tonight. We'll dive back into that in a second, but on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from ESPN.com, I'm assuming had one hell of a stretch run this season covering the Jacksonville Jaguars. It is our friend Duraco, Mike Duraco, with us. So the future's so bright down there, you got to wear shades. Is that like a little Timbuk3 action going on in Jacksonville for the football future? Well, it is 80 degrees and sunny with barely a wisp of clouds in the sky. So I guess that's what you could say. But, uh, yeah, everybody around here is certainly uh, excited about 2023. It's been a while, I think, since there was this much enthusiasm uh, for, uh, you know, an impending season after one just ended. So uh, everyone around here isn't enjoying it, for sure. We'll see how it goes, though. What is the feeling from the fan base regarding the future of Trevor Lawrence after this past year? Oh gosh, they are they it is markedly different than it was last year because there were a lot of people who were vocal that he didn't have what it took, that he was a bust and the Jags made another mistake and now it's pretty unanimous that he's headed for that superstardom level of Burrow and Mahomes and and um you know Josh Allen and and Herbert those kind of guys. Um so it's uh, like I said it's just all happiness and wonderfulness here in Jacksonville this off season. Um, which is great for the franchise because they're trying to get some stadium work done. Um, and that's supposed to kind of get thrown out to the city council in the next couple of months. So uh, you, you got to strike while the iron's hot. So everybody here is excited 100%. Yeah. It, so that's it, uh, that's good too. And it seems like it's happening at a good time within the AFC South. You could also make an argument anytime basically in the AFC South is a good time to get hot or get better. But uh, certainly at this time, when you look around, there are a hell of a lot more questions, Mike, than answers. Yeah. I mean, you have the best quarterback head coach, um, I guess combination or situation here in the division right now. Um, you've got a what a rookie head coach um, in Indianapolis. You don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be in Houston. You have a rookie head coach, and you don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be. And in Tennessee, you've got a rookie GM, uh, a proven head coach, a very underrated head coach, I think. Um, and you, I think it's going to be Ryan Tannehill, but who knows. Uh, and certainly shouldn't be Malik Willis, so you don't really know where they're going and how much longer can you build an offense around a running back that's going to turn 30. So um, if you are wanting to pick the early favorite, I don't think you can choose any other team but the Jags in 2023. All right, James Robert Cooter. As the passing game, what was the title down there? Passing game coordinator? Is that what it was yeah. in Jacksonville? Yeah. I was going to say passing game specialist. Close. Uh, what, what did he add as far as the growth that we saw? Uh, if you wanted to target anything that he added to that offense with the growth that we saw, what would that have been? Um, well, I think a lot of it was, you know, he was sort of the assistant to Press Taylor. I guess it's kind of the best way to, to look at it. Assistant to Press Taylor, assistant to Doug Peterson. He did a lot of uh, scouting work, a lot of film work, um, and sort of helped Trevor go through that offense and sort of pare down the things that maybe he was better at and the things he liked a little bit more uh, than some of the stuff that he didn't. Because, you know, as you know, coming out of that Andy Reid tree, there's a – pretty thick playbook and things can kind of get a little uh, 
overloaded there. And, um, you know, that was his main duty there. But also, you know, in the in the quarterback room, just being another quarterback to kind of help him figure things out. You know, that was one of the things that, that I thought was a really good thing that Doug Peterson did last year is in addition to himself being a former quarterback. But Mike McCoy, the quarterback's coach, is a you know, former quarterback. Uh, Jim Bob Cooter, former quarterback. Uh, and uh, Press Taylor, former quarterback. So, you know, if if you've got four quarterback guys around the quarterback, there's a lot of uh, information there and a lot of resources. Um, but the question was always going to be, hey, was it going to become too much, too many cooks in the kitchen? And uh, it never got to that point where, you know, Trevor was overwhelmed or, you know, there was some uh, competing points of view on stuff. They did a really good job of kind of obviously staying you know, with one message. And obviously there are some differences of opinion and stuff here, but it never became an issue. Um, so, but Jim Bob Cooter did a lot of, um, a lot of uh, advance work too uh, on opposing defenses to sort of kind of help out, uh, you know, the game plan kind of evolve. And he was part of that as well. Mike Duracco of ESPN.com is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Maybe it's just me for not noticing enough because obviously this is happening in Indy where you pay more attention to it. But is it odd Kind of that one guy as the passing game coordinator, in this case, Jim Bob Cooter, goes to another team within the division? Um, yes and no. I mean, if you didn't want to lose the guy, you, you don't want to lose the guy to, to a division foe for sure. But at the same time, you know, it's a chance for him to call plays. And um, at least I think he's going to well, call. No, no he won't. Call. Yeah, he Shane Steichen. Yeah, okay. Shane Steichen said last okay. week he's going to call him, which we'll get to in a okay. second. But continue. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I you know I think it would have been a bigger loss for the like again. Don't get me wrong; they didn't want to see him go. But I you know I, if you had to choose losing Press Taylor or losing Jim Bob Cooter, I think you would say okay. You know, I think I'd probably rather lose Jim Bob Cooter at this point. Um, you know, because Doug has a, you know, a better relationship with Press Taylor. They've been together for a while, sort of in each other's heads at that point. But, uh, yeah, it's just interesting. I mean, it, it, it's a promotion, and you really can't keep those guys from, from, you know, taking those interviews and stuff because the league does not allow you to block anybody for, you know, a promotion job or a coordinator job. So, um, you know, I guess he just wanted to be that coordinator. And he did it in, in, uh, in Detroit. And uh, obviously he wants to be a head coach and, and the path to being a head coach in the NFL this day and age is you got to be a play caller and an offensive guy. So we'll see how that goes for him. But uh, I mean, Ajax didn't want to lose him for sure, but I don't know that they view it as a massive loss. Yeah, I just yeah, I would agree with that too. I just didn't know because I sit here and then obviously it's more under – under the microscope here that you get into than if it happens and maybe it happens or maybe it occurs in other places I just don't pay that much attention to but you did allude to the play calling and Shane Steichen said last week upon being hired that he was going to be the the play caller and and this is a little odd and I'll I'll let you go ahead and opine about it too considering that while in Philadelphia Shane Steichen was the offensive coordinator who was not initially in year number one calling the plays for Nick Sirianni and then Nick Sirianni felt he got a little bit overwhelmed with it handed the playbook to him for him to start calling it and things got better especially this past year what they did offensively and getting to the Super Bowl does that surprise you at all that maybe going through what what Shane Steichen did in Philadelphia is not the case on how he's starting as a first-time head coach and handing off those duties here in Indy. Yeah, I mean, a little – well, I mean, like I look at Doug Peterson, and Doug Peterson, um, 
you know, was a play caller in Philadelphia as well when he first became the head football coach there. And, you know, he was a guy that was able to kind of handle it. You know, there's a lot of work that goes into calling plays and trying to build the roster and, and, and figure out the game plans. And then you still got to keep your finger on the pulse about what's going on in, in um, special teams and on defense. And it boils down to you have to have a group of guys on your staff that are really attuned to what you want to do. The communication is very, very clear. There's no ambiguity on, you know, in, in what's expected of everyone. And, um, you know, if that is what's in place, then I think you can do that. Um, you know, and Doug Peterson, obviously here in Jacksonville, he had the whole five years in in uh, in Philly to sort of kind of draw back on. So he's certainly an old hat at this. But I think it takes a while to kind of get used to that if that's what you're going to do. And if you're a first-time head coach, uh, it, it can be a little overwhelming with all the stuff that you have to do. I can remember when I was uh, – when I was covering the University of Florida and the, and the Gators hired Ron Zook way back in the day. And um, after, you know, year two, uh, Ron Zook and I were just chatting and he was like, look, I had no idea what I was getting into in terms of being a head coach. He's like, you think, you know, from watching all these other head coaches and working on a staff and seeing things. But he's like, until you are sitting in that thing, that chair, you really don't know because there's a hundred things that we don't even think about. Um, that you have to deal with. Like, you know what? Is Friday going to be, you know, pizza day during training camp? You know, is, you know, what, what, what color socks do we want these guys to wear at practice? I mean, all that kind of stuff, all the minutia is what can kind of overwhelm guys in their first stint as a head coach. And I think having the staff that you can trust um, and guys that are on the same page can help you with that. So we'll have to see how it goes. But it, it's no shame if he has to give up the play calling duties, I don't think, at least until he gets his feet under. Yeah, you'll be interested, and I know obviously an in, interested bystander in this case with, with Jacksonville in mind. But, Mike, you're going to be looking at coming up in in the draft. I mean, Houston, Houston put themselves in the two-hole, which was pretty funny and very Houston the way they did that in the final regular season game up here. But you have, as it stands right now, Chris Ballard and the Colts at number four. I, I'm going to assume here that they are, are going to try more than I think what a lot of people think to have that ultimate decision at number one. That remains to be seen. But how do you think in a couple of years, quarterback-wise, where we may be going, how will this AFC South look? Because you're going to have Trevor Lawrence clearly, you know, being the guy, and then maybe some of these up and comers as well. Are we going to reach a point to where this division is going to be across the board decent, or is it going to be a spinning wheels type of thing in the foreseeable future? Uh, you know, I, I think the potential is there for it to kind of look like what we thought the AFC West was going to look like this past year with Russell Wilson and Justin Herbert and Derek Carr, who was coming off a really, really good year, and obviously Patrick Mahomes. Um, but I think, you know, I'm a big Bryce Young guy. Um, I know he doesn't have the complete and total physical package that you want, but I've watched him enough at, at Alabama. The kid's a magician, and I really like him. Uh, C.J. Stroud is a physical specimen, and I think he'll be a pretty good starter in the league too. So if you end up with those two guys in this division – um, who knows what the, where the Titans are going to go on, but I do think that if they hit the quarterbacks, then, then that's the, the, the 75% of what you need. 
Uh, we saw, I mean, look, you guys remember Jacksonville in 2017. It was a run the ball, make a play occasionally as the quarterback, don't lose the game, um, and play really, really good defense. It lasted for one year. Um, this year's Jaguars defense wasn't very good, and you found a quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, and now all of a sudden you're the kings of the division. So find the quarterback, and everything else kind of falls in place. And if those two teams – because if, if the Colts move up to number one, and I kind of agree with you, I think that needs to be what they pull off somehow, then you've got Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud in this division, and it's probably the division with the three, you know, two or three years from now, you will be talking about it as the division with the three best young quarterbacks in the game. It's uh, Mike Duraco of ESPN.com covers the Jaguars. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I do want to bring up free agency just a little bit here because a year ago Jacksonville went off what the normal script is and they handed a buttload of money to Christian Kirk and I'm sorry you look at it the way that it turned out and it went really well will that shake up any philosophies around the NFL in terms of free agents and skill position players because Mike full disclosure here I wish it would shake some things up around here I really do I don't know if it's gonna who knows I hope there's a a change or an adjustment in philosophy but do you think other teams get a grasp on what Jacksonville did to make their offense better this past year in free agency um I I don't know because the thing of it is is you know teams have the philosophy it's it's pretty set you know you like the the Packers are not going to go out and spend a ton of money in free agency that is just not what they want to do and in reality you don't really want to have to do that anyway you want to be good enough to draft your team um you know like a team like the Steelers does um where they're able to kind of draft and keep developing and they still manage to make the playoffs and you know Mike Tomlin just wins and wins and wins um you know, I think we'll see some teams go ahead and make the big splash, um, but I, I don't know that, that it's going to be like, hey, look, let's go ahead and, 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 you know, follow the Jags model and sign, you know, a skill position player that is pretty good, but don't that no one thinks is really an elite player and overpay, reset the market, piss off every other team in the league, <laughs> and then hope it works out. Um you know, which is essentially what happened. Now, it worked out great for the Jags, absolutely. And, and the Zay Jones signing, the Evan Ingram signing worked out fantastic, too. But, you know, how many times do you see a, a team bat, you know, seven, 800 in free agency? It really, sometimes it just doesn't happen. Um, you know, you, you sign a couple of guys, you think that they're going to be great fits. It doesn't work out. Things don't happen. Uh, and then you're stuck in salary cap hell. And, you know, I think that's sort of why a lot of teams don't want to do that. But, you know, I do think there's times when you should go out there and open the checkbook, especially if you feel like you're one or two players away and, and that guy comes available. Um, you know, it, whether that involves free agency or potential trade, you know, we hear all this talk about DeAndre Hopkins wants out. Well, yeah. where would he go? You know, that kind of stuff. And the same thing with, you know, the quarterbacks are a whole different story there with the Aaron Rodgers stuff. So we'll see how that goes. But, um, yeah, I, I just think that teams are going to stick with what they feel comfortable with uh, and maybe an outlier, you know, every once in a while go spend big. But, you know, I know the Jags don't want to do that, have to do that again either. Uh, you know, they've got some salary cap issues this year. they got to get under the cap $31 million over. And, you know, I don't expect them to be big players in free agency at all. And Trent Baalke has said, hey, look, I don't want to have to do that again. Uh, I'd rather just pick up some depth guys and, you know, occasionally here and there spend on somebody. 
Um, so we'll see how that works out this year for them. But, you know, they, they nailed it last year without question. Yeah, I, I agree. I, and, again, I I don't know how Chris is going to get around it in, in some respect with you know, trying to get more offensive help with this team the way that it is right now, especially with the things on this team that, that he has had, you know, as uh, a foundational piece philosophy-wise in a build that just hasn't worked. Before I let you go, any tough name decisions that, that Trent Balky and Jacksonville will have to make coming up here in the foreseeable future? Uh, I think Shaquille Griffin is, is gone. Uh, it's just a formality of whenever they cut him, and that'll save them $13 million. Um, I think they're going to approach some guys about restructures, but it would not surprise me if a guy like Roy Robertson-Harris uh, the defensive tackle and Jamal Agnew, the kick returner receiver, are released. Um, but those guys are also guys they could come to and say, hey, can we restructure a little bit and push some money ahead? Um, and, and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they approached Christian Kirk about doing the same kind of thing. Um, you know, the, the Jags were, will, will be going into Trevor Lawrence's third year. Uh, you know, after that is when you can first re-sign the guy or sign the guy to a big extension. I wouldn't expect them to do that. I think they would go the next two two years uh, and then start talking big deal there. So you can you have that flexibility to push money in the future when you don't have to pay the quarterback. It's uh, Mike DiRocco of ESPN.com. Uh, a little bit about the AFC South as we uh, get closer and closer to free agency. Actually, we got to whisk by the combine. Are you coming up here next week? I, I am not. This is actually the first time in like four or five years that I am not making the trip to the combine. So uh, just a little bit more late uh, February golf for me. Well, one less guest. That I can get. That's one of my favorite things. You know, you'd think that I'd be thrilled about having it around here, but it's not that big of a thrill because you go down and do the show and you have all these guests. I know you wouldn't do that to me, but you have all these guests, especially these players that walk right by you and you'd love to talk to, but you're told over and over again they don't have time. They just keep on moving. So, unless you're a special interest type of deal. So. Yeah, I keep hearing from some of our uh, older or more experienced writers about how it used to be back when in the day when you would just be standing around and, and yeah. guys would walk out of a meeting or something and you would just grab the players and you could talk to them as long as you wanted. So things have changed. Yeah, I, listen, I, I go back to this is probably 12 years ago. I was staked out in the uh, in the Hyatt over here because i couldn't i wasn't at this station and uh, they had the colts here so they they kept me out of going to the combine and doing a show so i did it from uh the hyatt and i'd have somebody bring guests that were like walking they recognized they're walking into the hotel but you know i remember going you know to um lucas oil stadium and sitting in the the lobby area the entry area right there and you'd have you know back then there was only like a couple of radio stations and then the sirius xm nfl radio and that was about it and now I mean, now it's just like a radio row at the Super Bowl at the Combine. That's what you got. Yeah, it's not real conducive to getting a lot of unique stuff from people, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> not, um, yeah, not. They got to control the message, man. That's all they want to make sure. Make sure the right message gets out. Then no doubt. Always a pleasure. Have a great off season, and I'm sure we'll catch up again relatively soon, Mike. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It's a Mike DiRocco of ESPN.com. He is one of our favorites. Hey, by the way, former Pacer, remember at the trade deadline, Pacers made that deal, and in making that deal, with uh, featuring Jordan Nawara, for example, in making that deal, they had to part with Terry Taylor. Terry Taylor has signed a two-way deal with the Chicago Bulls, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. 
So, Terry Taylor, a two-way deal with the Chicago Bulls. Quick break. We shall return. I'll do some calls on the other side if you guys like at 239-107. You got the email address is jmv at 1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, we're actively trying to find the leader of the loungers. I'm going with Grifty. I don't know. What do you think? Scott Smith, Vic, J-Law, maybe Charlie. Robert's in there. What about Lick or Peaches? I know. That sounded weird. Finding our lounge leader at some point here. Hey, where we're going to be coming up on Friday, too, Tavern Tour Stop number 2 of 2023 in the month of February. Last year, it was Sam Silver Circle, which was an outstanding time at the end of February. And this year, it's going to be equally outstanding. Broad Ripple Tavern for our tavern tour stop that is on friday me betting analyst brent halverson and hopefully a lot of you because the heaven hill distillery products as usual will be flowing tavern tour stop number two 2023 broad ripple tavern in broad ripple coming up on friday your calls joel a erickson of the star still to come regarding the change on the colts coaching staff after the hiring of shane steichen last week the new offensive coordinator what's going to be defensive coordination wise that bubba ventrone and more Still to come in the 5 o'clock hour, of course, Dave Matthews Band tickets also on the way. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Why not, Mr. Vankerman? Because you did not use the magic word. What is the magic word, Mr. Vankerman? Please. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Hey, Rextra, Duraco Podcast 1075thefan.com. Thank you for joining us today. James, the producer, I'm John, the host. Always appreciate your presence. JD says, opinions are like armpits. Everyone has a couple, and from time to time, uh, they stink. Not mine. <laughs> I never rock the bow. I'm doing uh, right now because Blake has it. And it's just kind of sitting right there. Savage. I think when you when you spray it, you got to say it that way. Savage. And believe me, I'm old school polo green bottle. I'll do like the black bottle. I like that too. But normally it's green bottle polo. But it's Savage right now. But JD's in response to last week's conversation with Rick Venturi regarding Bryce Young. The Colts must get up to number one. To get Bryce Young, I will say this. You got to make sure if it's not Bryce Young you like, you got to make sure you get what you like. And again, if they stay at four and they draft a quarterback, they're going to say, this is the guy we've hard targeted the entire time. We're never really going to know. But Rick Venturi said last week he is all eyes on Bryce Young. I've been a C.J. Stroud guy. And then we'll see regarding Will Levis. We'll see regarding Richardson. Now, I was not, Tyler, a Dracar guy. Miami Heat fans that lived in Indy remember during those matchups with the Pacers and the Heat going back 10-plus years or so, Eastern Conference Finals. Those are Dracar guys. 
Uh, you can smell them coming a mile away. And actually, you'd probably rather smell B.O. sometimes than Dracar. You are easily tracked if you're rocking Dracar. Jimmy Cannon, Southern California, chimes in on this. So after hearing you talk with Shane Steichen last week, I have zero concern with him calling plays. There's no chance that if he's overwhelmed at all or clock management was an issue that he wouldn't immediately be on top of it. Zero chance. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's, that all remains to be seen if you haven't done it before. And it's easy for me to say. But I would agree with that. And again, I would agree with it more so than anything else. You do have Philadelphia evidence. I'm not suggesting, Jim, that he could not handle it on his own. I'm just suggesting that there is evidence that even the smartest of coaches have decided to make that change because in a game-time situation with all that's going on, it can be overwhelming. I guess, though, when you take this gig, when you take this gig, you want that offense to be you and you want – you know, all in on you here. So I do understand that aspect. I always thought that regarding Nick Sirianni, when he turned it over in Philly, I thought, is that a sign of growth or is that a sign of weakness? And clearly what that was was a sign of growth. Because again, all you have to do is look and understand how things went down. And when winnings to follow, it's all good. So, JMV, you have an intro where the guy says, I'm in the parking lot about to smash a bacon, egg, and chi. Hold the chi. Um, that is That goes back, I think, around 2010, 2011. Tony Donahue put that together. He was an amateur wrestler. He was more about the, the vocals. You know, where the wrestlers have to be able to speak, right? You have to have a good vocal. You have to have a, a good shtick. And I think he was trying back then. I don't know his name or remember his name, but he was trying to develop that shtick back in the day. At 2010, somewhere in that neighborhood. But that's certainly what it was all about. That is one of the favorites. That's one of the all-time favorites right there. JMV, do you think the Colts might consider a flyer on... An incarnate word quarterback that threw 60 TDs this year. You know, for depth, I would bet they're not at all concerned about that. To me, you are concerned about one thing and one thing only. Getting what you want at quarterback out of this draft. JMV, you have to upgrade to Polo Black or the Red. Uh, the green always made me smell really good, but I do like the black, Jamie. I don't mind Savage. I get on board with Shavaz a, a little bit, too. Shavaz. It's one of those things the kids picked out. Hey, JMV, when you mentioned the rest of us yesterday, I had to laugh because that's not what it's called. No, I said what's left of us, and that's not what it's called either. <laughs> I said I was disappointed in it. <sighs> JMV, are you calling tonight's IU Michigan State game a must win? I think I think this is going to be so overwhelmingly difficult for IU. In fact, I look at tonight and then again obviously on Saturday 
just incredibly difficult. You're going to have to play at such a high level. I cannot even imagine the type of emotion that's going to be at the Breslin Center tonight regarding the situations, the shootings, the circumstances, the loss of life on that campus last week. And being back there for the first time, I cannot even imagine. So tonight, just with the emotion of the moment alone, there are a lot of other things we can talk about, about, you know, just being tough in general. Michigan State coming off a loss. Michigan State really needing a win. Michigan State needing a win against a a top 20 team like this. You look at Michigan State, there's no doubt that Sparty needs this thing tonight more than IU. I just don't want to minimize IU going in there, but it is going to be, you got back-to-back games that are going to be incredible tasks. For a team, and honestly, as good as, for the most part, they have been in the Big Ten, you don't always know what you're going to get from everybody with the exception of one. I know what you expect sometimes with what you believe you're going to get, but you don't always know what it's going to be. Matthew writes this, I'd be so excited if the Colts stay at four and take Hooker. What is he, a 24-year-old guy coming off an injury? I don't think that's going to be the dude, Matthew, right there. I would doubt that's the dude. Uh, Early in the process, who do you think is going to end up popping coming up next week at that combine? Who is going to be the darling of the combine? 239-1070. Chris is up next today. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm good, Jam V. How you doing? My I man? am fantastic. Go ahead. Hey, I just got a quick question on the Colts. Um, do you think with the first pick obviously being a really important pick for us, do you think that we're going to, like, Ballard's going to be so concerned with getting the quarterback pick right that we don't focus on our other picks in the draft, like later, like the day three picks and rounds like four through seven? Do you think he has somebody specifically that's like you know, doing some scouting for him so he doesn't have to focus so much on the other. Oh, I, I think so it's can... I think it's the entire package here, Chris. It, it's th- this is about certainly the big decision is about quarterback. Make no mistake about that. But you're going in from year six to year seven with hardly any results or a great deal of success. You're going to have to to target and hit on a lot of things here. I mean, it, it, you're right. It's not just about the quarterback. It's certainly the biggest thing regarding this. But, nah, this is – this your fingerprints all over. There's no doubt that he's going to have a lot of help in this decision-making. But this is, this is something that we're going to tear down if you don't get this right or that right. And that also is in terms of what you decide to do in free agency, what you decide to do with your own team. Um, because you know, oftentimes Chris Ballard in the past, Chris Ballard has you know gotten the well, um, he is one of the smartest minds out there, and he's one of the best general managers out there. The problem with Chris Ballard right now, people can say that, but there's no evidence to it. So this is going right. to be, I think, his ultimate proving ground for the long term for him here, and obviously the center point of that is going to ultimately be what you do at quarterback. But there's going to have to be a lot go right on this there's no question you think sure enough the offensive line would be definitely what they got to do in this with the first pick well no i don't know what 
to me right now, it depends on the belief that you have. If you have the belief that that this is something that you can fix and the talent is still there, maybe you try to do something with that. If you believe Bernard Ryman is the guy at left tackle, you go ahead and stick to that. I guess it just depends on what you believe. I think we're all just – we kind of lose focus of everything else because I think we're so – spotlighting the quarterback and who you draft, oh, there, there is a lot going around on this team that you have to evaluate, look at, and wonder whether or not that's going to be, even in the short term, a part of your team moving forward here. A ton of it. Right. I, and I got one last question. Yes. Too. Do you think, do you think um, like with next year's draft is obviously a lot, it's going to be better than what this year's draft is. Are you hesitant to like give up something like a future pick next year versus, you know, giving up something to move up. If we do want to move up to one, say, like, would you be more inclined to give up like a second, a couple second rounders in this year's draft versus giving up a future in next year's draft with next year, you know, here's what I believe. And I know a lot of people disagree with this, Chris. I believe that if you have somebody you really like, you get that somebody you really like and that, if that means moving up, if that means making a trade, if that means parting with, you know, some of that, those values and picks in the future, I think you have to do it. If you find somebody that you want, that's when I say don't settle. And again, in all likelihood, we're never going to know if they settled. The only thing we're going to know is if they really did like somebody and they felt compelled that he wasn't going to be there at four and they had to move up to get him. I want them to do that. I want them right. to find what they like, what they love in this draft. And I, I guess, again, I guess we'll find out uh, on whether or not they try, how much they try. But that's something we'll talk about with Joel A. Erickson coming up in the 5 o'clock hour is that expectation. Because it is a good point, Chris, that you bring up. I mean, do you sacrifice some of those picks in the future for the right now, which means you would have to ask them whether or not they have believability in Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud? Because assumingly that's who you're going to move up to try to get because at four more than likely neither, at least as we're sitting here right now, will be there. Right. I mean, stack, stacking up the picks doesn't do you any good. Eventually, you're going to have to use them. You don't want to be Danny no, Ainge. No, I, I, listen, I, I agree. I want them to be I want them to be compelled with what right. they like and go out and get it and just not get, shortchange quick, quick themselves. And if you know yep. you have to give up something in the future, if you have to give up a player in the now, then I'm all for that. Yep, I'm with you. We're on the same page, Jambi. I appreciate you taking my call. Chris, you call anytime. Thank you very much. It may turn out to be bad, but that's just how I feel about this quarterback and the future at that position. I just don't know if you, you spend next year knocking around with somebody you really don't believe in and then figure maybe you get back and you know, get up near the top again. You don't. You really don't want to be anywhere near that neighborhood again. And I thought that's one thing that Rick Venturi mentioned last week is so rarely you were up here. And a couple of times in the past when they were up there at number one, they made it happen. And Rick Venturi felt compelled about this year being those times that number one, in his opinion, and Bryce Young is so far superior to everybody else at quarterback in this class that if you're the Colts and knowing what you need so badly, you motivate and get up there and get it. Kevin's at 239-1070. Kevin, welcome to the show. How you doing, JV? Kevin, I'm I just great. Wanted to, 
I just wanted to say kudos to Joey Votto. Never been a hater, but uh, more of a Cubs fan than a Reds fan. And to see a professional athlete come out and call himself out and the team out and say, hey, man, we got to do better. Better for our fans and the organization and everything. I thought that was – that's that's big time. Much so, so Votto, I, see, I'm, I'm not privy. So, he said that here when? Today? Yesterday? Uh, I would say yesterday. It's 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 – Twitter and everywhere. So, yeah. so Votto says we have because I don't expect them to do better. That's what <laughs> do I, you? That, yeah. <laughs> no, six, what, 70, 75 wins maybe this year. Yeah. And, yeah. But, I mean, to me, being a Cubs fan for decades, we've seen them trade away championships, and the Reds have done it. It seemed like in the last ten years or so, with the yeah. amount of talent that's come through there. And I think that's what he's kind of hitting. I see day. it now. It says Votto says bring the cynicism. This team deserves it. Yes, and it's it's not even so much the players on this team; it's the folks that run the team that deserve it. The right. decision makers, I, I, the general manager, the owners—that's that's who deserves it more than anybody else. But no, so he, much he's much right, and I winning. I don't know how in the world this thing's going to be any better this year than it was last year. So that's what I'm you looking know, forward to. I don't either, but want to give him a kudos because not very often you see a professional athlete do that. And and I thought, you know, that's that's good of him there. At least to say, hey. We're not we're not playing up to far, but so much more goes into winning, like you said, front office management, the whole nine yards. So. Yeah, they just anyway. they just don't have it. Kevin, thank you for the call. They don't have it right right now. It's a long. We're thinking in terms of how long it's going to be before the Colts get to be what you want them to be. You know, get to be a competitor. I'm, what are we talking about here with the Reds? If you're a Reds fan, can you believe I'm going to have to watch all these Cubs games this year too? What the hell's going on? AJ, before the break, go ahead. Hey, Mr. Um, If I'm Ballard, I am, uh, I'm working in the near future to get my quarterback in the draft, but I am also spending every single penny that I've got in the salary cap. Because if uh, even Peyton Manning went 3-13, and 13, and if Ballard goes 3-13, and 13, he's gone. So if I'm Ballard, I'm also going out there to give me a quality uh, quarterback to mentor my new quarterback. So like if Derek Carr... I mean, I'm going after somebody that can run. Well, it, it, yeah, it's not going to be Derek Carr, but I get what you're saying on this, and yes, clearly it's not going to be Matt Ryan. So people have brought up like Gardner Menchu just with the the relationship to a year ago in Philadelphia. That I, 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 I could see, I could see that. What'd you say, Garoppolo? No, nah, it's not going to be that either. I mean, it's, it's going to be lower scale than the names in Carr and Garoppolo that you brought up. Well, uh, Ballard's got to, you know, he's got he's got to ask uh, Ursa more than the moon. I'd ask for Jupiter if I get Mars, you know. I mean, I, I would ask for I would spend every single penny I've got to get the talent. Yeah, the I mean, well, at the same time too. I mean, he probably already had the fact that he's back for year number seven with these results. I think speaks volumes right now. So yeah, I, he's just he's going to have to get some things right. And it, and again, I don't think anybody. AJ, thank you for the call. Expects this team to perform at a high level coming up this year, but. But you're going to have to show signs that the signs showing of growth of this team will have to be seen and will have to be easily seen, not something you have to dig for it. And then because of your incredible football background, bestow that great wealth of knowledge to the fans out there, something you guys are going to have to see. Quick one, we'll come back. Joel A. Erickson, I'll ask him how he expects the Colts will handle 
the offseason, in particular free agency and the guys on their squad that may or may not be there coming up next year. Joel, top of the hour, Dave Matthews band tickets as well. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Smokey, this is not nom. This is bowling. There are rules. Hey. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Corey Kenny says, I'm going to be a Cubs fan before the season is over. I am a fan and a friend of Tucker Barnhart. I don't know if I can go that far. I will enjoy when he performs well. Don't get me wrong. I just, even in a season going into it where what is becoming normal, but maybe even worse than normal, if you're a Reds fan, you're thinking, why even bother? That's what you're thinking. Why even bother? And I'm glad that that Tucker is with a squad and a part of it. It is going to take me a minute to get used to this Cub stuff. It'll take me a minute. Then there's no way I can do the go Cubs go thing. It's like a meatloaf song to me. It's just terrible. RIP meatloaf. But it's just terrible. But I want him to do exceptionally well. So that is a good thing. Jim Caldwell says that he has done seeking out NFL head coaching gigs. Can I look back to Jim Caldwell here? Thought he was good. Thought he was good. What's going on? I complain about my knee all the time, right? Whining and crying, 53-year-old dude playing two, three times a week now. Oh, my knee. Lonzo Ball. Done for the season. And evidently they can't, either they can't find out is what they're saying, what's going on with his consistent knee pain, or they know and they're really not telling anybody. Despite making significant increases in strength and function over the past several months, Ball continues to experience performance-limiting discomfort. That sounds familiar right there. I think just getting up in the morning, I experience performance-limiting discomfort. Actually, going, no, just coming out of bed. But for an elite level, that has to be just crazy. 25 years old is Lonzo Ball. But he is shut down for the season, and the season did not even get going. In fact, Lonzo Ball hasn't played a game since January the 14th, 2022. Yeah, either... Either I, I, and you can't find it. Maybe it's just something chronic or you know what it is and it's bad news. And that was think if you're 25. Yeah, I'm not going to probably fly the W very often either. Thank you very much. But I am going to hope that Tucker Barnhart performs at the highest of levels. Joey Erickson of the Star is going to join us on the other side. I don't know, Corey. Maybe I do. I doubt it, though. I just don't think I have it in me. I was trying to think, has there been a moment 
I might have been not a Cubs fan, but I enjoyed the Cubs in 1984 when they made that run to the NLCS. In fact, I stayed home from school to watch Rick Sutcliffe pitch. <laughs> I'm sick. But, yeah, really not in the past. Not when Don Zimmer was the skipper. And not even when they won the World Series. So this is going to be a little bit new and fresh for me right here going into the season with a friend of this show, Tucker Barnhart, a part of that Cubs roster. Rake Straw Duraco so far, 107.5thefan.com. That's up on a podcast. Regarding the offseason, free agency outs, free agency within. Joel A. Erickson of the star. We're going to find out if he's got any answers on that or any predictions or anything more regarding the Colts. Joel's going to join us next. The Ride with JMV. We are Thermians from the Clatoon Nebula. We need your help. Is this about the gig tomorrow? I just hammer out the details with my agent and make sure there's a limo at my house. Remember, mum is the word. Certainly, but I'm... Mum. 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 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Mike Duraco, by the way... Chris asks where you can find that podcast, 107.5thefan.com, ESPN.com's Mike Duraco a little bit earlier. Jim Bob Cooter assessment from what he provided a year ago to that offense as the passing game coordinator. Uh, moving on here is the offensive coordinator with a head coach, first year-wise, Shane Steichen, that's going to be calling the plays. That and more. As I mentioned to Greg Rakestraw a little bit earlier, tomorrow, Matt Painter, head coach of the Boilermakers, on this show. IU, Michigan State tonight, 9 o'clock. That tip time from East Lansing. That means an 8 o'clock get-together downstairs, 93 WIBC, with Don Fisher, the voice of the Hoosiers, and the pregame show. Again, 8 p.m. Downstairs, 93 WIBC. That is a 9 o'clock start. Matt Painter of the Boilermakers. Of course, IU Purdue coming up on Saturday in West Lafayette. Matt's going to join the show coming up tomorrow on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline from the Indianapolis Star. Writing about a lot of stuff right now. Joel A. Erickson. I don't. Do you have a great level of concern for some of the exodus that's going on with this coaching staff right now, and in particular, what I guess is going to end up happening with uh, Bubba Ventrone. Um, Bubba Ventrone's a really good special teams coordinator, but that doesn't mean that Shane Sykin can't find another good one if uh, if uh, if he decides if Bubba Ventrone decides to leave. I, I just think that you know Bubba Bubba's a good, he's he's good at his job. Uh, he's been good at his job. Uh, especially in the coverage and coverage units and the and the kick return units, um, and, and you have a guy who's good at his job end up leaving. Special teams coordinators are sometimes the guys who end up getting kept over in a lot of places. But uh, yeah, I mean, you, you if Shane Steichen that he he wants to hire, and, and that guy's good too, it, it won't be a big, a big deal. Yeah, and I don't look at it as the the biggest of deals here, and I, I do. I agree with you. Ventrone is good. Yeah. Besides this Cleveland interest, had had you been aware of any other interests that he might have had with an open gig, special teams wise, around the NFL? No, and a lot of the special team jobs it seemed like had uh, been carried over. I know Chris Tabor uh, carried over on Frank Reich's staff in Carolina from the previous staff. Um, it's one of those positions end up carrying over from staff to staff a little bit 
just in general. Um, probably for a lot of different reasons, but it's just, it's just kind of one of the things that ends up happening. So uh, I guess it's a little bit of a surprise to see this, this maybe come just because I know the Colts value uh, what Ben Trones brought to the table in terms of not just his performance in special teams, but helping develop players who made it off of special teams and became, you know, key people for the, the offense or defense over the last couple of years. But, you know, uh, it's, it's one of those positions that it just depends. It just depends on if they find somebody else to replace them who's good. You just don't want to see that. That's a place where the Colts have, have won, won some on the margins over the last years and you'd like to keep winning those margins so joel erickson the star covers the colts with us via the andy moore automotive group hotline this is going to be an opinion piece right here but do you have in your mind who may have been the second place nominee for colts head coach that ultimately went to shane steichen um only only know that uh that jim ursay mentioned you know he mentioned by name raheem morris and aaron glenn and rich Basaccia. Uh, in the press conference, which is you know unusual, but we got a, we got a glimpse inside the process, um, and, and so those those are the guys that that stick out to me, just because those are the guys Ursay mentioned by name. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted that as well, as as far as the fact he brought that up. I, the other thing is, I know we're just now getting into it. Of course, the combine is is coming up, and then we're really going to get into what they're going to end up doing as far as a quarterback selection. We all think coming up in the spring draft. How, how do you think this team will handle? free agency, both with their own and around the NFL, Joel? Um, well, Chris Ballard said that there were some, some parts of his, uh, there were some parts of his, his roster building philosophy that maybe he need to look at. I think one of the ones that we often talk and fans often talk about is not going after the big gun free agent. They're kind of letting it come to him. Um, maybe that's something that changes, um, I think I think the cap space is an issue because they can create cap space pretty pretty quickly. Um, I I don't know I don't know what to expect I don't know if I think I think the big thing they're predicting that they're going to be a big time player in free agency that seems foolhardy given what we know about the way Chris Ballard's operated in the past. Um, I, I think maybe you could see some more signings, but even even that is is something that I have to see before. Uh, I have to see him be a little bit more aggressive in the first couple of days, at least one time to uh, to kind of predict that, as opposed to you know the last couple of years, um, some some big additions in free agency last year, some big additions through trade. He's he's liked to add guys through trade in the past, um, but not necessarily the spending sprees that I think fans want. Well, I'm curious your thoughts on this because I, you probably already know mine, but. Owning the fact that the results with your philosophy and and your blueprint hasn't worked, aren't you kind of forced into doing something that you wouldn't necessarily do in the past? And certainly we sit here right now and until we see it, you know, we're not going to believe it being, you know, more aggressive at points in the past where that wasn't a part of the equation in putting together a team. I think I think it's possible. I think it's also, you know, I keep thinking back to the owners' meetings last year when we asked Jim Ursay about spending, and, and I know that the the owner said, "Hey, we we spent a ton back when we signed Andre Johnson and, and Trent Cole and all those guys, and everybody talked about how great our off season was, and it didn't turn out that way." So it's it's often pinned on Ballard, but I thought that that answer was was intriguing 
in terms of the Colts' owner saying that, uh, you know, maybe going big in free agency isn't isn't always the best idea, and that makes it more of an organizational decision. So uh, I'm very interested to see how it plays out. I'm interested to see, you know, the said there about maybe needing to change his approach. I'm cautious on predicting too much of a wild change. <laughs> I mean, what the hell? You've already owned it, right? I, I, I would like to be different than that, Joel. I would like to go the other way and say, hey, you've tried this, enough of this, and the lack of results. You know, you, you owned that yourself in that initial press conference at the end of the season. You know, why not try something new? But I think I would tend to agree with you. That's something you have to believe. To believe it, you got to see it. I, I I would like to see – I think that when they made some of those veteran additions and gone out and gotten some of those guys, they've done a pretty good job at it. I, I don't necessarily want to see them – I don't necessarily know that, that just automatically outspending everybody and, and buying like 12 players every year is going to work because we've seen a lot of teams try that approach and fail uh, by, you know, handing out contracts that don't end up being good. So – but I do think that if, if you have been successful at finding some of these guys in the past, and it's, it's actually a fairly lengthy list. Ball Sheard was a free agent. Danico Autry was a free agent. Um, you know, Stephon Gilmore last year was a really good signing. If, if you've got signings like you've invested some money and gotten good return, you know, trust, trust yourself a little bit and, and maybe, maybe go out and get a few more. Um, you, you, maybe you don't want to do the, the we're going to, sign nine guys in the first day because you don't want to you don't want to just waste all your cap on guys who aren't going to be uh good <laughs> but if if you're good at it maybe make a few more investments there and i i think even even outside of the top of it i thought i think that one of the things that always strikes me about the eagles and the way they build their lines when they've been really good is they have guys who are on the bench, who are veterans, who are very good, and maybe they didn't cost that much. Um, names that you know and names that have been successful in the NFL, and you had to pay maybe a little bit more than a draft pick to get them, but you end up with this super deep defensive line, you know, which is something Chris Ballard's always talked about, and they've always been a couple guys short. Well, maybe a couple more of those signings fills out that defensive line and gives you the, the line that you want to have. All right, I want to ask you about one with a one-year deal in Yannick Ngakwe. Did he show this team enough, or are they looking for something a little bit more? Listen, everybody's always looking for something more dynamic off the edge, but are they going to spend as much on somebody that's going to give you probably that or maybe even less again coming up next year? I I think that... Uh, especially, and we don't necessarily know exactly. They haven't. No one's reported that Gus Bradley is going anywhere. How many reports that Gus Bradley's staying? He's he's probably more valuable to Bradley than other people because of the Leo. But I also felt like they were expecting more of an impact from him last year and didn't quite get it. And and that makes me think that depending on what he wants money wise and what he's going to get, and, and maybe maybe he goes and tries the market and it doesn't come and you end up getting him for for something. He was actually fair, relatively cheap for a pass rusher last year. Um, although I, I just didn't think the production lived up to the reputation in terms of he had nine and a half sacks. I know he led the team. But in terms of in terms of play-by-play, 
affecting the off, uh, affecting the quarterback. Right. Um, it, it, you know, him and DeForest Buckner was worlds apart. Yeah, I completely agree. I do completely agree on that. So that that would, I guess, shock me a little bit. Um, who, who's going to to be there? Any names that you expect right now at the top of the list that will not be a part of this squad in 2023 for one reason or the other? Anybody pique your well, interest? I mean, I mean, the obvious ones are the quarterbacks. No the doubt. obvious ones are the quarterbacks. You, you feel like they're going to move on. I mean. <sighs> You know, you're, you're probably going to need a, a seat warmer for a rookie quarterback. You know, if I'm Matt Ryan, I would not I would make the Colts cut me so that I could get as much money as possible. I feel like – I don't feel like I necessarily owe you anything uh, in terms of in terms of giving you a discount for no reason by retiring or, you know, voluntarily giving that up. But Matt Ryan also doesn't feel like the kind of quarterback to seat warm for anybody. You know, I, I don't know. I think a lot of those quarterbacks who've had careers like Ryan's, and, you know, people can debate falls on the quarterbacking list or whatever, but that's 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 a guy who's probably – who's the who not probably is the best player in the history of the Atlanta Falcons, you know? That's a, a very distinct – does does he want to or need to do the Andy Dalton thing or the Ryan Fitzpatrick thing? I, I don't know. You know, I mean, the Gardner Minshew is the most commonly mentioned thing around me. Well, because of Steichen. Uh, yes, I mean, that's right. Because of that relatability, yeah. Yeah, obviously because of Steichen, um, and, and you know, maybe maybe that's how that works. It's it's kind of hard actually to know exactly what to expect with Shane Steichen as a as a quarterback evaluator because he's had so many different types. Um, and. Uh, and I think ultimately the veteran, you know, it's, whenever they sign a veteran, you know, assuming assuming they move on from Ryan and move on from Foles, whenever they sign a veteran, um, I think people are probably going to be angry and underwhelmed. But the reality is that signing this year is signing that that really, in the long term future of the franchise or even the short term, necessarily matters a ton because. I, like you said earlier, we're all expecting that a quarterback is going to be taken, and we should be given what Jim Mercer said last week. So, yeah, whoever they sign there, like you don't actually, you don't actually want to be that great because you don't want them to be the kind of player who's who might start and play well enough that you can't uh, necessarily put him on the bench when the rookie is if, if you want to play the. You know, so it's it's going to be. I'm assuming that veteran is going to be somebody a little bit south of. Of that, Minshew, Minshew obviously is kind of in that range, and has some history with stuff. Maybe they do that, but you know, I, who, who knows what Minshew's market's going to be uh, at this point? Yeah, no doubt about that. Joy Erickson, the star, covers the Colts. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So, a nice segue. You brought up what Jim Mercy said regarding the Alabama quarterback last week, uh, which I'm, I'm sure thrilled uh, Chris and company when he did say that. Do you, do you expect, I, I talked about the the aggressive approach you expect or don't in free agency. How aggressive do you expect them to be at going after a quarterback? Because Rick Venturi was on me last week and he said, listen, you don't get up here very often and you sure as hell don't want to be up here again. So as long as you're up here, go to the top and get what you want at that position. Will they, will they be that aggressive in doing that? 
Will they? Is hard. Will they? Is hard to know. Will, like, will they? Because we just haven't seen Ballard far in the draft. But he did. T- I mean, I was the one who asked point blank uh, at his end of the season press conference if you feel like a guy is the guy, would you move heaven and earth? And he said yes. He said unequivocally yes before I even finished the question. I I find it hard to believe that you could evaluate the four quarterbacks that are expected to go at or near the top of the first round and get to a point where you're like, you know, I feel comfortable getting all of them. They're, none of them stand out. I think they're all going to be good. Um, we feel good about or even or even two or three. I, I find it hard to believe that somebody wouldn't stick out to you above the pack. And, and if they don't, I think you're in a real tough spot because right. like, you know, this is a pick that you don't this is a pick that you don't get very often, but I feel like you're going to like one of I feel like you're going to fall in love with one of those guys. And if it's me, if this if it's me, I just do whatever it takes to make sure I get whoever's on top of my list. And we can talk about what they gave what what you have to that stuff, but the reality is if you get the right guy, the actual right guy, no one will ever care what you gave up. There's no doubt. Who cares, yeah. who cares what the Chiefs gave up to get Patrick Mahomes? Yeah. Well, it, if, and, the Chiefs could go, if the Chiefs could go back and do it, if the Chiefs had to go back and do it again, they were like, well, this time we want two more first-round picks. They'd be like, sure, I don't care. By, it, same thing with the Bills moving up for Josh Allen. So if you really think it, whoever's on top of that list, I would do whatever it had to to make sure that I got them. Maybe you have intel from – a player's agent. Uh, I think if you've gone, if anyone's gone back and read some of the stories on Patrick Mahomes uh, and and the uh, courtship of and evaluation of him, um, there was a sense there that they felt like they had a good relationship with the agent, and he was kind of trying to steer Mahomes a little bit towards the Chiefs. That helped. If if you feel like you have really good information, really really good information. Maybe you can get that player at four, but I just don't want to take that chance unless I feel like it's somebody I absolutely trust. Well, here's the other part about that, too. And I, I've sat here and I've said a number of times, I don't want to see them settle. I told that to Rick Venturi, and he agreed. But I don't know if we're ever going to actually know if they settled or not, are we? I mean, I, I, unless somebody comes out and you know says, well, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, we'll never find that out. Well, no, what we need, what we would need for that, to, what we would need for something like that to happen is somebody to be in the draft room who wasn't, who wouldn't typically be there, uh, and that's that. I don't see that happening here. So when I was covering the Saints, uh, the year that Mahomes got taken, the the, the uh, PPC Louisiana was holding its PGA Tour event, and Sean Payton let Ryan Palmer and Jordan Spieth be in the room for the first night of the draft, and the uh, Saints take Marshawn Lattimore, which. He's been a great corner and uh, at the time seemed like a best-case scenario for the Saints because they needed a corner. They didn't think there was any way he would fall to him. And then Mahomes goes off the 11th pick. Well, then the next day, reporters are covering the golf tournament, and we're getting ready to cover the second and third rounds of the draft. And I believe Ryan Palmer was the one who said, oh, they were getting ready to take Mahomes. <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, I played it and said, you know, we would have taken Lattimore anyway, but right. you always wonder about that. But it's that kind of thing that has to happen for us to find out about it. Or, I mean, the other way to find out about it, and this has happened with some other draft picks uh, I'm told over the years, 
is that, you know, three or four or five years down the road, Jim Mercer will be talking about drafts and casually mention that they wanted to get somebody else. But that's right. the only way to find out. Because you're right. Whoever they draft, they're going to sell. And they should, because if you draft a player, you should be trying to do whatever you can to, to succeed. But, yeah, I, they're, they're not going to tell us that. They're not going to say, well, this was our second choice. Yeah. How deep do you think they would go? As far as moving up to number one, and I'm, I'm, there's probably a line <laughs> that is so easy to draw right here, given you know the Ballard experience overall here. But um, I mean, is there? Do they have right now what you think it's going to take for Chicago to move one for them to get up there compared to yeah, other teams that are around them, and also uh, that aren't all the way up, but also wouldn't mind to take a, a swift swing at a quarterback. Because because they're at four, I think they have enough. the The question is, the question is like, do they have a valuation on that pick? Um, because Carolina doing it, uh, if they fall in love with somebody, the, the the owner there, David Tepper, has been open about his desire to win and to do whatever it takes. I mean, he he openly said at Frank Reich's introductory press conference down there, "Hey, we're going to pay staffers." We're going to pay whatever we have to to get the best staff in here that we can get, you know, and and that's a that's a franchise that kind of like the Colts is very aware of what happens when you don't have the guy at quarterback. So I, I could see the Panthers the Panthers just going, we'll give you whatever you want, and you can keep right. saying the price. And I think that's possible for several of the quarterback needy teams now. If you're the Colts, do you match that? Uh, it depends. Again, if you think he's the guy, go get him. And if if you're wrong, I mean, yeah, you'll you'll get killed for it. But you'd get killed for it anyway. Anytime the quarterback, anytime a quarterback fails, you're going to get killed for it. And, you know, and your time in in a place will be done. So you might as well take your shot with the guy you believe in. Whatever it. Yeah, I, I and I would agree. That's been my philosophy. But again. There's no real way to tell, you know, other than, you know, getting success for the guy you pick or, you know, having somebody kind of squeal or leak information, ever really knowing uh, exactly if they settled or their belief was staying at number four and taking whatever quarterback that they ended up taking because of that particular availability. Joel A. Erickson, the stars with us. Before I let you go, I want to double back really quick to Gus Bradley. Uh, are there any questions with you right now that he is not going to maintain as the defensive coordinator, or are there some kind of floating around with you? Uh, yes, I'm curious that they haven't, you know, that we haven't seen a report or really anything on Bradley's status, and maybe that's maybe that's by design, and maybe it's just you know they've decided to retain him, and they're just not saying, and they're going to do. Sometimes teams like to do the thing where they only officially acknowledge um, the coaching staff once it's all put together. Um, Colts, I don't know if they've done that in the past. A lot of it, I, would, I assume, would probably fall on what Steichen wants. Um, but it is, I mean, it's interesting that we haven't seen a report yet because I mean, we all know that the, the Colts like Gus Bradley and they, they, ha- they didn't let him interview for lateral jobs or, or go for lateral jobs. So the assumption has been that, that he's probably going to be the guy here, especially, um, you know, I went back and found a, a quote from the middle of the season where uh, Steichen was essentially, you know, gushing over who Gus Bradley is, both as a person, as a coach, and the respect he has for him as a defensive coordinator. All that, all those dots connect. 
But, you know, it's also a week later. Yeah. And we don't have any any further information. And you, you, you probably would have I probably would have said the same thing yesterday about Bubba Ventura. Me too. I would have said the same thing, yes. And then you have the Ventura. Yeah, I mean, the longer it goes without us having a firm resolution or or anything reported, then, yes, I do start wondering if it's as slam dunk a deal as it seems. That's uh, Joel A. Erickson of the Star. What do you got new here before I let you go? Tell the folks. Well, I, you know, it, we, we published it today online, but I, I got a hold of Philip Rivers called over the weekend. Um, I, I had emailed him after Steichen was hired and said, hey, can you, uh, you know, do you want to, is there any way you want to talk about Shane? And he, he got back to me over the weekend. We wrote it and put it up. It's, I think there's some really revealing in there about who Steichen is as an offensive mind, who he is as a coach. Uh, you know, Rivers, Rivers got a chance to kind of watch him grow up. You know, he, he didn't. He only had him as a as a interim offensive coordinator for half a season, but he had him for basically his entire NFL coaching career, and they they kind of hit it off right away. Obviously, Jim Mersey said in the that uh, Philip Rivers' recommendation was a key part of Shane Steichen being the guy. And yeah, I, I got a chance to talk to Philip Rivers about it and uh, what he likes about Shane Steichen, you know, what his coaching style is, you know. Uh, there was an interesting piece in there where he's talking about him being fiery and saying, saying he didn't feel like it was performative, which is an interesting thing to work from a, a veteran quarterback who's been around a lot of locker rooms, a lot of coaches. He said he didn't. He said when Steichen screams, he doesn't feel like it's performative. I'm going to scream and yell just to make sure you know I can scream and yell. He said it's more comes out of we're better than this, <laughs> um, and so he said he can be fiery, but it comes from the right place which I thought was a, was an interesting thing and an interesting thing to hear from a, uh, somebody who's been, you know, in a lot of locker rooms over the years. So that's that's the one I was well, – That sounds a little bit like Phillip Rivers right there, who will be, be fiery, but yeah. he's not going to drop any F-bombs on you or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, well, and, and Phillip Rivers, I mean, we all saw after the year here how much, uh, the te- how much teammates loved Uncle Phil. You don't no do doubt. that with a guy – well, NFL players have a pretty high BS meter. They they can tell when guys are doing stuff just for the heck of it or, or just to, to please people. And so Philip Rivers is a good example. I mean, I think we all know as fiery as they come, but it never felt like, I, you know, to, to the players in the locker room and stuff, they're like, that's, that's just who that guy is. And I think as long as it comes from a place of that's who that guy is and you're not trying to fake it, uh, it's well received. It's amazing, by the way, how um, alike Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen look without a hat. Have you noticed that? (laughs) (laughs) Now, Steichen would have to shave a little bit, but they look look incredibly alike without a hat. They both both have very, like, they, they got, you know, a little bit of skin tan going on in every other place, but right there on their head. So Gannon, Gannon's got a little bit darker hair. You know, we had him here for a little while. So yeah, seen him a little bit more, but I can see that. The other thing, though, is that Shane Steichen is really tall. He is, yeah, uh, which makes sense. I mean, he played quarterback, so but yeah, Shane Steichen's tall. But yeah, I, if if you're seeing him on a Zoom screen or something, I, I, you're not the first person who said that to me. Actually, in the last, in that's the last weird. Week. I thought I was that was going to be my original. That stinks. <laughs> hey, by the way, Mike Sanford, who coached. Um, Shane Steichen, the quarterback at UNLV, I had him on last week, had some really interesting things to say. I didn't know, and I talked to 
to Shane the day prior. I didn't know that he was actually sleeping in the basement of Mike Sanford when he got that GA gig at Louisville first time out. So that's... yeah, yeah, those those like, all of those coach stories for the, those paying dues stuff. They're all interesting like that. You know, Parks Frazier left last week, and like I remember in, when I first got here. And Zach Kiefer was still working in Indy Star. He did a story on Frazier. And Reich had to tell him, uh, if I find out you were here after a certain time, you're in trouble. <laughs> because he just wasn't going home, you know? Yeah. And yeah. All, all those all those grinded out jobs, I think, those pay your dues type jobs. Every time you hear about it, guys will do guys will do a lot to get into the NFL. Well, and uh, he, did, he didn't move. Mike Sanford asked him to go in 2014 and being assistant coach at Indiana State in Terre Haute, uh, which uh, he did turn that down, and I had to make light of that being a sycamore myself. So he turned that down <laughs> and went to Cleveland instead. So probably a, probably a better choice, to be honest with you. <laughs> so anyway. All right, Joel, I appreciate you, man. We'll look for that with Phillip Rivers. Yep, yep. Thanks for having me on. Joel A. Erickson of the Star on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. According to Adrian Wojnarowski, Nate McMillan has been fired by the Atlanta Hawks. A lot of people would tell you they saw that one coming. So Nate McMillan dismissed by the Atlanta Hawks this afternoon, according to ESPN.com. Quick break, Dave Matthews Band tickets in the next 30 Listen to win 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. It's party time. P A R T. Why? Because I gotta. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Joel A. Erickson of the Star, Mike DiRocco of ESPN.com, and Greg Rakestraw of Damn Near Everything. Podcast 1075thefan.com. Trackside coming up at 7 o'clock tonight. The Hawks dismiss head coach Nate McMillan, according to Adrian Wojnarowski this afternoon. That is the big NBA news that is going on. And you're asking about where you can hear Duraco. Duraco, if you missed that podcast, we talked about a variety of things within the AFC South. And certainly Jim Bob, Jim Bob Cooter's presence in Jacksonville a year ago, now the offensive coordinator of the Colts. That podcast, 1075thefan.com. Tomorrow's show, I mentioned Matt Painter's on here tomorrow. I think Bowen's normally on a Wednesday, but he's on, I'm on vacation. I'm on vacation. So when you're on vacation, evidently you cannot come on the show in the afternoon, which I completely understand. Brooks Barnheiser is going to be on the show tomorrow, I believe. I just got a text from him stating that he has availability. Um, I am a huge fan uh, because obviously I know a great deal, the Barnheiser family. I've been a huge fan of Mark Barnheiser since 1989. The first time, I'm sure, we probably had a fist fight to pick up game. This is one of the best to ever coach in the state of Indiana. And Brooks, who's a sophomore at Northwestern, and man, Northwestern just having a spectacular season. Uh, Brooks will join us coming up on uh, tomorrow's show. A Lafayette Jefferson standout, too. And a sophomore, and you can kind of tell, if you watch that game on Sunday evening against Iowa, he is becoming more and more active with the basketball for Northwestern. And that had not always been the case. It seems like he's getting more opportunities 
Uh, I'm obviously being with uh, Audige and Bowie in the backcourt. That helps you out. It seems like that he's being more active, both you know, certainly moving, which has never been an issue, but with the basketball as well. But Northwestern having a spectacular year. And Brooks can join us on the show coming up tomorrow. And that'll be fun. Number 17, IU in Michigan State. That's 9 o'clock tonight. East Lansing. And I mentioned, you know, IU's just got some difficult back-to-back here. IU looked really good against Michigan State in Bloomington, but tonight the emotion of, you know, obviously the tragic happenings of a, a week ago in East Lansing. You have that emotion. You have a team that you know, Michigan State should be maybe not completely desperate, but close at 16 and 10 and 8 and 7 in the Big Ten. And you, you talk about IU fans for the first time in forever. You're talking about a double buy possibility. But you got back to back Michigan State and Purdue tonight in East Lansing and then on Saturday in West Lafayette. That is difficult. But some emotion, and I'm certain a great deal of inspiration that's going to be happening coming up in the Breslin Center tonight. There's going to be a lot to battle, to say the least. JMV, did you have a chance to ask Shane Steichen last week if he had any interest in Phillip Rivers? Phillip Rivers didn't have any interest in being an offensive coordinator and an assistant coach. Evidently, he's got a kid. Well, you know that. But uh, evidently, he's got a kid, football player, wants to be around that. So there was no interest from a Phillip Rivers standpoint. One season, and what Phillip Rivers brought as far as leadership and lean on, I can remember having him on. And when he first did that interview with me, he sounded so much like Peyton Manning. And I think he's a guy that, that recently they – they lean on in terms of, you know, you ask him a question about football and you get the, you know, the Manning-esque description that you're looking for right there. Hey, JMV, Peyton Manning, have you noticed he's doing the Indy 500 commercials? It's funny. I think I asked Jake this yesterday, Jake Query, the morning show. Jake, Jake took him a moment to uh, hear that that was Manning. I I got that right away, I guess. Yeah, Manning's doing the Indy 500 voiceover commercials right there. That's always a good thing. There's no doubt that that plays around here. Always has and always will, even if it's not completely the way that it once was from the Manning side, certainly around here, and rightly so, there is a great deal of love always given. But, yep. First time I heard that, actually, I think I saw the uh, the television commercial version of it. But we are oftentimes, and I don't know, maybe it ends up coming up next and, and I'll look here to see if it's locked and loaded in the next break. I don't think so. But indeed, that is uh, Peyton Manning. 100 days until the Indy 500. We talked about that with Speedway President Doug Bowles on Friday. We always end up bringing up 100 days on Friday, always end up bringing up Carb Day. And they, st- I wonder if they have anything solidified. I would think if they had something solidified, they would announce something. 
And he did also mention, if you missed it on Friday, that that oftentimes you say, hey, these bands are too old. You're too old. That's good for you, JMV, because you're a 53-year-old fart, and that's fine with you, but we need to get younger. And and Doug Bowles did mention he thinks it's time to to try to get younger with that. Now, you know, not the the Snake Pit has the youngest with Shaquille O'Neal and the EDM artist in there. That's that's the young of the young, but getting younger, getting bands from the 2000s it seems after this year is probably going to be their target for Carb Day for the future. But 100 Days was celebrated this past Friday with Doug Bowles coming on this show. Quick break, and we shall return, as I mentioned, too. Maybe your chance at Dave Matthews Band tickets. June the 30th and July the 1st, they go back-to-back. Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. And a shout-out to both Kyle and Jimmy for always helping me out there, giving you an opportunity for free tickets. We may... Or may not do that coming up on the other side. Your chance to listen to win and a busy day coming up on Wednesday tomorrow and a tavern tour stop on the books set for Friday. Very close to where we were last month for our tavern tour in January. I'll tell you where and maybe somebody's chance to win free tickets coming up. 93-5107-5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, I got to bail out of here at the top of the hour and go and watch 7th grade girls basketball at Northview Middle School. Anybody want to (laughs) go? Anybody want to go? Here it is. Dave Matthews Band. You guys are already on top of it. Dave Matthews Band. Uh, they have back-to-back shows at Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center June the 30th and July the 1st. Get your tickets now. I know that those things are always jam-packed. Back-to-back you go. Number 9 at 239-1070 is going to get a chance to win right now. James, make sure Kevin's mic is up. Kevin Lee's in studio. I don't often see him and by not often uh ever see him in studio for trackside tonight at seven o'clock it's uh kevin lee and kurt cavett for trackside and kevin lee is in studio after a very lengthy college visit for savannah correct took a road trip uh yesterday to ohio university nice in athens yeah you know i have to support the mid-american conference nice nice college this is my first one my wife has done most of the uh heavy lifting on this and depending on what your kid wants to do in uh, in college, it is a process. So we're learning the ins and outs of the process. All right. So how do we feel about Athens? Do we dig the campus? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think ultimately I would prefer something a little bit closer. So I'm still rooting for Indiana or Ball State. There's no straight road to Athens, Ohio, is there? Uh, it's pretty much 70. And it was, oh, was it, it really? Was, it was oh. 70, and then one more turn, maybe okay. 33. Well, then I it's stand corrected, shot, yeah. But it's four hours and 15 minutes from my house. <laughs> is it really? Um, but what, wherever she wants to go is fine, and there are other um, targets that are significantly further away than that. Okay. My dad's rooting for an in-state school. I like in-state tuition. Indiana State. I don't know about their theater department and program i can look into that for you okay 
Okay. I didn't do too much acting. Well, I did. I <laughs> yes, acted did. like a student, yes, and I wasn't much of that. But yeah. hey, so uh, trackside tonight. We're a one hundred days away as a Friday Inside, from the greatest yeah. spectacle in racing. So. And uh, obviously, IndyCar is just about set to get underway. Yeah, more than that, we are a week and a half away from the season opener, March 5th at St. Petersburg, here on the radio and also on NBC. So we're all excited. Race season is underway. We've had the Daytona 500. We've had the Rolex 24. It's time for IndyCar to get going. Man, that's all you've done is race. How's Jackson doing racing-wise? He'll be doing the next level up, which is called USF Pro 2000. It was Indy Pro 2000, so... It's two steps away from IndyCar, so it's the one right below what was Indy Lights, which is now called Indy Next. So he'll be at St. Petersburg as well. We leave for uh, their spring training at Sebring on Sunday. They'll be on track Monday. Think we'll ever see Jackson over in Speedway? Maybe, yeah. That's pretty cool. That, that's the goal. We we need to raise a lot more money, and he's <laughs> going to have to have the results. It's a yeah. combination. you yeah. got to be good enough. And you got to have somebody and, to pay for it. And as that's well. the thing: if if you're not good enough, or if you are good enough, sometimes there are many of those folks out there that you never see because of that lack of Correct. financial support. I, I think we feel pretty fortunate, to, to be honest. He has gone higher than I ever expected because I didn't know how we would ever pay for it. Right. A lot of it is family funded, and that wasn't an option for us. So. People ask what I do in the off season. I am a a full time program manager for him and basically uh, a revenue creator. So that that's what we've been able to do. Did you learn that to... aspect from anybody that you cover? Uh, I, I think just by being around the sport, yeah. and I've seen how other people do it. And I, and while I don't have a company that I can rely on and, and the ability to do B2B connections, I do understand how it works, and I do understand the value in motorsport. And there is value, uh, namely in the hospitality and entertainment department, that – you can get your guests and sponsors up closer in motorsport than the sponsor of any other sport. Right. Right. And, and that is so something you, you, that you, you cannot You know how for. to throw a party is what so you're that's, saying. That's essentially so, what we do. There are eyeballs. Yes, the eyeballs and the visibility and promotion matters. But more tangible, I think, is always creating something that you can't buy. It's one thing to buy a sweet ticket, but then to get the access and a paddock tour and get to meet other drivers and you know that's something that obviously other dads don't have is that i know all the drivers and all the teams and 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 jackson through our relationships knows all of these people as well so he can do it without me are they are they cool with giving you that help with that access in mind yeah so they they understand how it works and they yeah. all did it coming up sure. and i generally spread my favors out so i may only bug the same driver once a year to take a picture with jackson's partners so it's not like i'm going to the same people every weekend and you know, honestly, we do a lot of trades, too. I'll do something for a team and do a seminar or something for their sponsors. And in turn, they will include our partners in some of their activities. Are you a, a better party thrower now or back in the day at Ball State? <laughs> Who's the better party I was thrower? I the better party attender. Oh, you I weren't a thrower in Muncie uh, or just a tender? Well, the, my roommates were in charge of those things. Oh, I gotcha. And I would attend. So I had a job, uh, namely working weekend nights and sometimes overnights at the radio station yep. so i would either come in late or depart very early 
So Kevin Lee's trackside coming up at seven o'clock. He and Kurt Kevin got you covered, of course. IndyCar just a uh, about a week and a half away from its uh, starts of the season, where of, they will actually let the drivers get on track before they have to qualify. Unlike oh, really? our, our, did you see how Connor Daly had to do his first take on yeah, the 500? I did. He just kind of went out there. First and held time on. on track That's is crazy. qualifying. His car won't start, so then they have the qualifying race. He's still never driven a cup car yeah. on an oval before. That's crazy. And just go out there and hope the thing works. It doesn't. It bounces like you know your old uh-huh. uh, Chevy back in the days. Sure. And then he eventually gets it figured out, and he somehow makes the race. And for a few laps, he was doing well. How big of a deal was that to see him out there and accomplish what he did? Oh, it's cool. It's what? What is it? He's one of sixty-two that's driven the Indy Five Hundred and the Daytona Five Hundred. Less than thirty have done it in the same year. I think we see why Elio Castroneves turned down that ride. And it is yeah. what we, we thought it was. It's all about budget and experience, and that team has neither. So Connor said, I'll give it a whirl. I got nothing to lose. I may never get asked the chance to do this again. And two guys crash, the two that he needed to crash in the qualifying race. He makes the race. Gets a little bit of experience would have helped if he would have had a rearview mirror in a race where that's everything. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not no, I know, I know. They basically well, explain that to everybody. They here. basically at those tracks are driving out of their mirrors and figuring out where to go in the draft and pack racing and everything else that comes from that. So um, the performance. Why did he not have a rearview mirror? An indication of how Connor could do in a proper race car. Connor would be fine in a properly prepared cup car. Why did he not and, have a And the mirrors mirror. are electronic now, I think. Oh, are they? Yeah, I think they're more like sports cars where it's more of a digital type mirror and it didn't work. So maybe they should go back to the old-fashioned mirror like Ray Arun had. <laughs> All right, what you guys got coming up on Trackside tonight, Kev? Uh, I know Kurt has taped something with Tony Kanaan, who yep. announced his retirement again last week. We'll see if it sticks. Nice. I'm going to say if Kanaan finishes third in the 500 again, it's He's not going to stick. He's yeah. I, I, he, and I, he, I would believe that. He should be able to do that. Um, we'll talk about Daytona a little bit more and really just get set for the start of the season. It's a week away. Good to see you, buddy. It's good to be here. I want to make sure the key card still worked. So I like to come in every three or four months. It's Kevin Lee. And did. Kevin Lee of NBC. And I got a Radio 1 t-shirt. Oh, man. I got swag. Nice. I, I don't think Kirk's I got too. that. So. Yeah. You didn't get one, did you? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I got to ask him about that. Hey, James, thank you very much over there. Kev. Kev. Kurt. 7 o'clock. Trackside coming at you. Tomorrow, Brooks Barnheiser of Northwestern. Tomorrow, Matt Painter of Purdue. Tomorrow... IU Michigan State recap all coming at you at 3 o'clock. Do not miss it right here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Shout out to the Lounge via YouTube Live. You guys are great. Thanks.